Welcome to Critapocalypse episode 203. We've been doing this for far too long. We've been doing this every couple of weeks for years. And still, no one's given out all the money. <coughs> we recorded them all in one batch, though. That was a really good thing. That's the smart thing to do. Yeah, we Basically, them all in we've one preempted batch. every media release for the yeah. last five or six years. Yeah. Nice. Someone came to a live stream that um, my buddy was doing, and yeah. he went, oh, is this live? And I, was, I just replied, no, he's just really good at predicting what you're going to say in the comments. <laughs> nice. Um, and how you doing? All right, you know. Yeah, you doing okay? No, um, anything no. interesting happening in life? Anything new? No? No. Any Anything no. you're excited what, what for? What exciting new things do you think are going to happen in my you life? you got two Transformers, the same type of Transformer I'm, I'm twice? I'm 40, I'm not one of these young people. Look, right, you could be doing something exciting. I see a copy of Castlevania. The PlayStation I bought 2. that months Did ago. you play that? Yeah, a bit. How's that? I mean, I've had it before. I've just I bought it again because I, I, I sold my copy years ago. You were about to say you ate the copy, didn't you? No, I didn't eat it. Okay. Um, I've got I, Odin Sphere there as well. The uh, the From Software game? It's not From Software, you dumbass. Oh, who's Odin Sphere? Oh, Square Enix. Sorry. No, it was not developed by them. No, no. Uh, I was thinking of, uh, is it King's Guard or whatever it is? What's the from Kingsfield? Software? Kingsfield. It was on PS1. Yeah, that's the from software one, isn't it? Was it Kingsfield in the UK and the US was Kingsfield 2? It's a real Final Fantasy 6, Final Fantasy 1 situation. Final Fantasy 6 was Final Fantasy 3 in America. You... <sighs> I don't fucking know. And you've got to know that by uh, at this point, I mostly just Wikipedia the shit we're going to talk about before we talk about it. Wait, what's going on with the audio? Why is it so quiet? Well, I don't know, man. That's a so you quiet? problem, what's going on? man. I don't know. Microphone, two, stereo. Is that the right microphone? Am I going to have to freaking press buttons again? Is that the wrong microphone? Okay, so it turns out it wasn't the wrong microphone. Excellent job, Ant. There was real teamwork there. I saw the tiny lines and you acted on them. And that's what teamwork Maybe you just got to try talking towards the microphone. I'm talking to... I can turn the (coughs) volume up a little bit if you want. It will catch you. Okay, here we go. Shall I do this? I can adjust the gain. Is this better? I can adjust the gain. Mate, no, don't worry about the the gain. That's the treble. That's the gain. (laughs) Anyway, that's absolutely fine. Real audio take here. That's look, all you're look, stop it now. Stop it. Shush. So, in news, Hogwarts Legacy is the most pre-ordered game on Steam. Um, I'm not is interested it? in playing it. Is it? Yeah, apparently. Is it? Apparently, according to the Steam charts. Steam weirdos trying to hype it. So I'm going, I can't believe how big this game world is. I and it's like, what, have you never played any game in yeah, life? I, I, <laughs> I just think it's going to be bad. Yeah. It looks like Forspoken in all the videos and people have released of it. Um, but I just don't care. I'm not a Harry oh, Potter shit. person. I haven't been for a very well, long as time. someone who has worked on a Harry Potter game. Yep. You were on the shitty Blam Blam one. No, I wasn't. No, oh, I was on Harry Potter the Half-Blood Prince. Uh, I was on the... Um, the last one before they went all Gears of War. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just have no interest in this game whatsoever, but it's like, it's big news. And I so think... why are you bringing it up? Well, because there's a lot of discourse around it, or discord around it's, it. It's easier to just ignore. Well, I'm still going to talk about it, Aaron, because it's fucking news. Is it? It's news. Is that yeah. what we are? We're news. Transphobes are saying that, you know, back this game to give JK Rowling more millions so she can spend it on doing nothing but butchering and being horrible to trans people. I think um, it's telling that no one publishes her um, murder books under a real name. Yeah, I think that's telling as well. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's telling that like her name's been removed off of any of the marketing with regards to this game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're not transphobic if you buy this game. 
Like, it's it's the same as Pantera. Is it Pantera who recently, the lead singer, was, like, saying white power on stage and raising his fist up in the air? I don't, I don't think so. Or was it Anthrax? Who was it? It wouldn't be Anthrax. Anthrax are fucking super left wing. Um, one of the bands basically I said... I mean, the lead singer of Pantera... I mean, Pantera haven't performed for ages. Although Phil Ansomno was talking about doing a reunion show without all the members of the band that make Pantera, Pantera. Yeah, it was Pantera. The front man did a Nazi yeah, salute at not- a show and said, white power. And he said it was an inside joke, so drinking white wine backstage. Oh right, okay. Yeah, he's yeah, he's right. just a fucking racist. Yeah, but which lineup of Pantera are we talking uh, about? Because no me... one likes Phil Anselmo. Uh, let's have a look. Yeah, it's Phil. Yeah, yeah, Phil Anselmo. No one likes him. But yeah, he's like and no one in Pantera likes so, Phil Anselmo. So uh, I I said to my friend the other day because he's a Pantera fan. I said you're not a Nazi if you support Pantera because you like their music. You'd be a Nazi if you were buying their music because they have a Nazi message. It's just like people that aren't aware of like all the critical backlash of J.K. Rowling that like Harry Potter and separate the art from the artist. They just want to play a Harry Potter game. It doesn't make them transfer. We've got to protect that she came with such an original <laughs> world. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's just coincidence that the main character has the same name as the main character from the first Troll film. Yeah. And who also is involved in a magical adventure. Yeah. And a thing. Look, right. If I want to call live... her Chinese character in Cho Chang. Yeah. If I want to live in a magical world of racism and anti-Semitism, I'll play the Harry Potter game, but I don't. I'm just done. I just, I'm just not interested. But what I'm saying is that I don't think that people that buy it are necessarily bad people just because they like that property and they want to play the game. It's just there are people that will buy that game just to support her transphobia. Maybe they could watch Willow instead. Pardon? Watch Willow instead. Willow's a better film. The TV series. Is the TV series any good? I don't know, but um, no, I'm, I'm not interested in watching. It. It's Willow, so it's cool. is Val Kilmer in it? Nah, I don't think so. Oh, okay, he was in Top Gun, the new Top Gun. Yeah, but he can't. He can't really speak anymore. He can't do much. No, it's not got a throat. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So you're not a transphobe if you like Harry Potter. Uh, you're just a transphobe if you're a transphobe who likes Harry Potter. I guess this is the message. Here. We're not going to support it because I'm not a transphobe. <laughs> I look forward to it appearing on Gamecart past, like, what? Month oh, yeah, and like half, a month and a half after, yeah. It won't even be, like, if I'm ever, if I'm ever, if it gets, like, 10 out of 10 reviews, I'll just rip a copy off and put it on my Steam Deck. <laughs> I won't pay for the shit, and I'll review it, honestly. I'll say if it's good or bad, but at the same time, I'll be like, wait till it's a tenner. Who gives a fuck? Anyway. Oh, I just won't play it. I you played, won't play it? No, I, pl- I played, played enough the Harry best Potter. Harry Potter game. Clearly, the one before it went Gears of War, or Forspoken, as the new one seems to be. Um, Alright, cool. That's all I wanted to talk about in terms of news. Oh, and Evil Dead's getting a cinema release. Evil Dead Rise. Yeah. Yeah, it got announced a little while ago, we didn't talk about it, but Evil Dead Rise has gone from a streaming-only release to a, a cinema release. I'm pretty sure it was a cinema nope. release. It was a streaming-only release. It got changed to a cinema release after the acquisition. So that was that was nice. Well, so we're going to see that in the cinema. And the Cocaine Bear is out soon. The film that you're really looking forward to seeing, Ant. Don't give a shit. You don't give a shit about Cocaine it's Bear? It's got that irritating guy in it. Which one? The other one does those video TikTok videos. Ray Liotta? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Very famous for his TikTok. <laughs> he did that TikTok Goodfellas. Yeah. <laughs> My brain's so broken, everything is just <laughs> consumed in 15 seconds. <laughs> Little videos. Um, cool, cool. Cocaine Bear, Evil Dead Rise, what else is out soon? What, is there anything you're looking forward to? 
Um, get well, the rest of the combiner. Oh, for fuck's sake! For me, um, Volcanicus. The, the little, look at the little the Triceratops face in front. It goes. He can't. He can't open his mouth when actually he's great. plugged in. Oh, great, great, fantastic! I can open it a little bit upwards. Yeah, I can Kermit the Frog it. Nice. Nice. Anyway, um, and well, we got a fantastic show for you. And <laughs> have you heard about this? Have you seen this? <laughs> All right, so we're gonna start reviewing some shit. You got yeah. anything you want to talk about? Is there anything that you want to talk about that's happened this week? Anything interesting? Anything in the world of Transformers that people should know about? No, literally <clears throat> nothing. When's the new movie out? Um, June third. Okay. Great. Rise of the Beasts. Rise of the Beasts. It's got Paranorman in it. What? Who's the Optimus that's a gorilla? Optimus Primal. Yeah. Yeah. He's not actually a Prime, though, is he? No. No, because Prime is a title, isn't it? He was a scientist. Yeah, who was really in love with Optimus Prime. He just happened to be in the area at the time when some stuff was going down. And the only one to get there. Yeah. But he just has to be Is he the size of a regular gorilla? Uh, Not in the film. Okay, but in the cartoon he was. In the cartoon, they're in Beast smaller. Wars, he was like a robot, right? But how much smaller? Yeah, it's hard to tell. In like in like the program, he didn't look anything like an actual gorilla. He looked just like a robot. No, his gorilla form looked like a gorilla. Oh, okay. Yeah, they have fur and shit. Oh, really? Yeah, because they're like biomechanical. What was Rat Trap's famous famous catchphrase? He had a lot of them because he was uh, the comic like, relief because he went to be Bostonian stuff. Yeah, and he talked about his great aunt RC. Oh, he used to say, "We're all gonna die." That was his catchphrase. Pretty much, yeah. 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 Great times. Great times. Good old Rat Trap. You should read the Beast Wars comic that I started a couple to. of years ago and then no. got cut short. I, uh, was good. I made it 34 chapters into reading all of Berserk yeah. and I took a break. I haven't gone back to it. Yeah. Yeah, and I started uh, reading... Maybe he'll finish it soon. Maybe he'll finish it from the grave. Yeah. It's being written by someone else now. So someone is going to finish it. Yeah, uh, I think it's the person who does Precure. Which was Precure. Is that like cartoony, girly, tokusatsu, anime? The other one that was um, Glitter, Fo- Glitter, Force, Glitter Force on Netflix. No, no. That's idea. a translation of Precure. Oh, right, okay. Or Pretty Cure. Oh, right. I have no idea what that is, but I um, I really love Junji Ito. Mm. Anything yeah, to do Junji with Junji Ito? Yeah, Junji Ito's writing Berserk. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah, Berserk gets really obsessed <laughs> with... Uh, he sees a fucking... He just sees spirals everywhere. A weird knife. Yeah. There's a weird knife in the drawer. <laughs> And he obsesses over it. He finds, he finds like a small rock with some holes in it. He's like, oh, how to get holes? Oh, I've got holes in my hand. Now, see, that's one they've already done. But the trick is, with Junji Ito stuff and taking the piss out of it, yeah. is you just you like Junji Ito sits in his room and he sees a thing and he goes, yeah, that'll Spooky. do. That'll Spooky do. boopy. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a mirror. This person is obsessed with like, I don't know, oh, what if a carpet, what if your skin turned into a carpet and you became obsessed with carpet then you turned into a carpet and people walked on you. And you got trampled to death. You get trampled to death because you're a carpet, but your eyes are there. You can't scream though because carpet wouldn't have a mouth. Yeah, I have. So, I have no mouth, and I am carpet. Yeah, the sci-fi sequel, <laughs> but Jujito. Um, and then lesbians keep going around trying to munch it. <laughs> the yeah, so you get Ian because Jujito's got a very limited <laughs> idea. Of- yeah. Of sexuality. It's like, I'm in a desert. I have water, but it's salt water. It'll only dehydrate you more. It's like, it's almost as ironic as being turned into carpet. I'm really liking lesbians. But you can't have sex with the lesbians because they're lesbians and also your carpet. Yeah. 
Yeah, great. The parable of our time. Yeah, the guy's girlfriend is that turns into curtains. <laughs> uh, do they match? That's a... He's... <laughs> I'm told I could write Junji Ito stuff. It's like, it's like Junji Ito written by Limmy. <laughs> I, could, I could write Junji Ito shit. You could write Northerner perspective Junji Ito books. I'm a Northerner. I know you're not. I know you're not, but you, your perspective is curtains and carpets and curtains. Easy, fucking easy. All right, well, we'll get you some paper. You can start writing some stories. We'll churn them out. Yeah. Um, yeah, you'll, I'll do the, you'll do the art, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, you'll draw some fucking, yeah. fucking stick men or some shit. <laughs> I and can you, draw. I depict a stick man as a I carpet. I can draw. Just about. I can draw a cat. Do you want to draw a cat? <laughs> no, I'd rather not. All right, okay. Boris First... Johnson's trying to draw um, cows right now, though. Is he? Yeah, have you not <laughs> No. In the interview with Liz Truss. He's like, I'm trying to draw cows. He's trying to learn how to draw cows. You know, like, how many how many toes they have on the front of the foot? It's, it's a lot of very interesting stuff you have to learn. So, he's, like, officially just lost his fucking mind. Although, he does, like, say that he does weird shit. Like, do you remember his thing about making cardboard trains? Like, he was talking about making cardboard trains and shit before. He's just, he's, he's so full of shit, he just comes up with this terrible crap. And then goes, yep, that, that's what normal people do. Normal poros do. It's like, get fucked. Oh, yeah, this is the last thing I made. It's a picture of Elon Musk. That's Quarto. That's Quarto. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. It's an insult to Quarto. I can't believe it. I know. Quarto's way better looking. I like the fact that I can open my tablet. And I just see, he's, he looks so happy. Elon Musk is Quarto. Elon Musk is Quarto. Anyway, sorry, back to the point. First You've review. wasted 14 I'm, minutes. I'm first this week. I'm going to keep it brief, but it's our new favourite segment called The Last of Us, and I'm going to review the last two episodes of The Last of Us. Okay. Okay. So we'll call it The Last Two of Us episodes. So, Last of Us, uh, for those who don't know, story about fungal infection, cordyceps get in people's heads, and they start affecting humans. They only affect insects right now. Uh, but they start affecting humans because the planet heats up and it makes it so it's viable for them to take over people. Yeah. And we are 20 years, the day that the cordyceps first start affecting people, and it is the story of survivors in this new world, this new reality, which is being governed by a firm-handed totalitarian regime who are making sure that there's no dissidents travelling outside of the curfew hours. And also that uh, that anyone who is showing signs of infection or is shown to be infected is immediately executed to avoid infecting others because it travels by bites. We reviewed the first episode two weeks ago. I say we. I yeah. graciously took it upon my hands to review the first episode, last, last episode we did of the podcast. Oh. And people loved it. They were going crazy. They said, please tell us more because we can't watch the show. Because we don't have TVs. And I said, I will take this upon myself. Like their messiah, I'll come across, you know, more episodes and I'll explain to them what happens. So that's what I'm here to do, Ant. You ready? Yeah, sure. So episode two. They've escaped the city. They're outside of the the zone that's protected by this new government. All right? The Fedra government. And that's right, Fedra. It's not anti-vax. This was... the, The game was made 10 years ago. So it's following that story. Fedra were the enemy and that... And they're outside of the Fedra area and they are making a perilous journey with Ellie, the girl who 
who, unbeknownst to them, is immune from the cordyceps infection, right? So they're making their way through this destroyed town. They set out straight away, as they set out on this journey, they say, when the infection initially hit, they found it easier to firebomb large sections of the cities to control the infected rather than take them on in street combat, mortal combat, some might say, or street fighter, others might say. Or Tekken, some people might say. We just spray some weed killer out there. That's not how mushrooms work. Right. Mushrooms don't get killed by weed killer. Fungus is different. Pigs. Pun? Pigs. You think pigs will find the... Pigs eat mushrooms. Yeah, no, but pigs also are susceptible to a lot of diseases that affect people. We'll just send more pigs. <laughs> <laughs> we can't do get it, Captain. We've run out of pigs. Get on those little ones. They'll go under the radar for long enough. Then they'll be big. But aren't you also creating a swarm of troops that are small enough for you not to notice? Hmm. It's going to stab me in the back somehow, isn't it? They start eating the mushrooms from the children first. Okay, I get it. I get it. Anyway, so the cordyceps infection, the way it works, gets in people's heads. Initial stages, you sort of start going mad. You don't have full control of your body anymore. The infection takes over and makes you just want to spread the infection. And you do that by biting people or just, you know... You know, putting putting bits in their mouth, gross stuff like that, um, and uh, and yeah, and it's and it's horrific. You know, you're still conscious and aware. It hasn't completely destroyed your brain in a way that stops your personality coming forward. So in the game, a lot of people are crying whilst they like consume people, and like they're like making, they're like pleading for you to kill them and stuff. It's just it's quite harrowing. None of that in the in the in the program yet. So I don't you know, that in the game. just yet. pun. I don't remember that in the game. Do you not? Nah. Is it more in the second game? A lot of it in the nah. second game. Uh, but anyway, so so Joel, Ellie, and Tess, Joel's girlfriend, lover, partner in crime, um, they are getting Ellie through the city, and sadly, we lose a member of the team. Oh. Someone gets bitten. Can you guess who it is? Oh, Pedro you- Pascal. <laughs> you had to go film Mandalorian. Yeah, had to go film Mandalorian. No, it is, it is sadly, it's Tess... Oh. Spoilers, Tess gets bitten oh. um, in a very tense scene involving some clickers. Now, clickers are a later stage of the infection where the mushrooms have developed in the sinus cavities and expanded out, breaking the skull partially to allow the actual growth to to spread out of the forehead area, destroys the eyes, hmm. destroys the, na- the destroys the nasal cavity, the eye sockets, everything just spreads out. But they get this form of echolocation. Where they can detect noise. So what they do is they click like bats. They click and then they judge where people are based on that. And so in a very tense scene, they have to stay quiet. They have to reload very quietly as they're like fighting these. And sadly, Tess gets bitten. She gets infected. Um, she gets bitten around the neck. And early in the early in the series, in the first episode, it tells you if you get bitten in the neck, it's quickest transformation. It's a quick. It's very quick for the infection to take take hold. Yeah. If you get bitten in the arm, it's a few hours. Get bitten in the leg, a few hours. Get bitten in the neck. That's close to your eyes. And that's the thing that the clickers don't have. So it makes sense scientific, right? Yeah. So she decides to stay behind and kill them all. And the way she does that is with a bunch of barrels of fuel because what do we find out? The fireflies that were going to take Ellie from Joel and Tess, they've sadly been been in a firefight themselves trying to escape from the fireflies. They were going to steal the vehicles, steal the weapons and drive away. Turns out they did. They stole some of the vehicles who drove away, leaving some of their teammates there who got infected. But there's a lot of fuel and stuff. So like, okay, we'll spill the fuel everywhere. I'll set them all on fire. And Joel's like, no, don't do this, Tess. 
I'm very emotionally repressed, so I can't say that I care about you, but I want you to know... He can't. I Yeah, he can't. He doesn't have the ability. He's emotionally no. broken because his daughter died. Remember, first episode, daughter died. We spoke about this last last two weeks ago. Come on, stay focused. Don't make me get the whiteboard and tap it. Um, and so she dies. She kills herself. Save Ellie yeah, to save Joel. Yeah, but in the in the game, she actually fights the firefly, the Fedra agents. She yeah. doesn't kill herself with fire. She kills herself in a fire fight. Yeah. But very similar. Does very she not crouch behind the waist high walls? Does not crouch behind the waist high walls. No. Yeah. In a really really gross moment in the series, they show because they've gotten rid of spores as a, a, a way to infect people. They show the 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 bites like there are like fungal, tri- like uh, tendrils. Yeah. And the one of the things sees her, realizes that she's infected, and instead of like running towards her and trying to tear her apart, he sort of tries to make her part of the hive mind because the fungus where it grows all through the streets. They use that as like a sort of detection system. So Joel at one point reaches down and goes, "Oh, it's dead because it's all dry and like crumbled up and like it's no longer active." But in other areas of the city where it's still alive, where there's a large group of people like lying down on it, it sort of acts like a network. So if you were to disturb part of it, they would get like oh, someone over there and they go and chase people down, which is a clever way of doing it. Clever way of doing it because it is a plant. It mm. does grow out in the games. You see it expand out from people's well, bodies. That's spiders. Probably eat them. Sp- they could get spiders to eat the fungus. Yeah, but I think it has infected. to like you actually have to break the fungus. I don't think it's like yeah. quite that sensitive. Maybe, I think you actually yeah. like have to like put your foot through it and break it. And yeah. I think that that's part of what they allude to is that the Fedra agents a bit, a bit molesy them as well. The fireflies, molesy fungus. Yeah, uh, molds more or less complicated than humans. You just need to send them out. They'll just <laughs> eat it. They'll go care. Anyway, so she sadly dies. But before she dies, Willem tries to like sort of connect her to the hive mind, detecting that she's infected. And opens his mouth and puts his mouth towards her mouth, and you see the tendrils and starts giving her the grossest French kiss I've seen in TV. Like literally, just like injecting the straight into her mouth, straight into her to her beatbox. Are you sure? Didn't you see that episode of Hercules when he got a girlfriend? Disappointed. <laughs> no, Hercules never had a girlfriend. He married, and that was the only woman he ever slept with because he's a good Christian boy. Do you see that he's remade Left Alive? You think that Left Alive? Yeah, uh, Left Behind. Sorry. No. He's made a Left Behind film after yeah. Nicolas Cage made a Left Behind film. How yeah. does he think he's better than Nicolas Cage? And it had Ryan Felipe in it. It's going to be in Ghost Rider, see? Who? Oh, it's going to do some Christian version of Ghost Rider. Yeah. <laughs> I got infected with an angel. Yeah. That's why my head's on fire. Yeah. Um. So, that was episode two. And then episode three, we get a break from the action and oh. the terror. And we get a incredibly touching gay romance between Nick Offerman and Murray Bartlett who play Bill and Frank. In the game, we meet Frank. He's a rough old curmudgeon with a bunch of gay porno mags in his, in his hideout that Ellie steals one of. Um, and he alludes to the fact that he had a relationship with someone like a partner in in Frank, who uh, sadly... That's both you, Franks. You said Frank was the one. No, sorry. Wait, did I? Yeah. I think Bill's the one who has all the traps, and then Frank's the one that he's Frank, he's in love with. Isn't Frank's thing his brother? No, that's Tommy. Oh, I can't remember. So Frank Frank is his lover in the games. He's mm. alluded to being his lover, yeah, and yeah. he tries to go and get a battery so they can both escape this horrible place that they're stuck in, and they're just not happy being there. And they end up... Well, he ends up dying. He gets bitten, so he kills himself. And they, you find him in the game with Joel and Ellie. They find him hung himself in a, in a house. We've got a diary that says itchy tasty. Yeah, itchy tasty warm. 
Um, yeah, and uh, and that's really you don't you don't get much of what their actual story is. Whereas in the program, you get a very touching love story where Bill has cordoned himself off from the world for a very long time. He's been a survivalist. So when the Fedra come in and take everyone out of this little seat, they go, we're going to take you to a camp to look after you, a camp to help your concentration. Uh, no, when they say they're going to take him to this, to this little camp to keep everybody safe, he's actually hiding in the basement. He's like, I've already got enough camp here for the, all of us. Woo! It's like I've got six seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race ready to binge. Mm. Um, and he's got like a plan. And you just see him enact this plan. It's a bit like Home Alone. He's just like, I've got my generator. I go get my fuel. I go get my fence stuff. And he just puts up like a little section that he's just set up for him to survive and he's got like bungee uh, not bungee uh pungy? is it punji traps the ones with the sticks yeah yeah he's got yeah, like little, rambo five did like rambo five did yeah, yeah. he's got like punji traps the, all around the, the place most racist of all rambo films. <laughs> he's got punji traps all around his little compound and he's got these like things set up and one day frank falls into one of his little holes that he's dug and he's like okay i'm on my own and like it turns out turns out that that frank sort of gets the feeling that Bill is gay. And so he he does say to him, look, I'm just going to stay for a few extra days. I will keep you company. And, and you know, he's acting very sweet with him. And then he just, like, it develops into a long-standing romance. And well, apparently um, microbes, anthropods, nematodes, and um, mammals rely on food and fungi. But most often it's, like, uh, beetles and larvae. So yeah. if they just drop a load of beetles... On the infected. What if they're big bag beetle balls? I mean, even better. I <laughs> um, do you think they could be infected by cordyceps? Because beetles do get infected by it. They'd be fine. They're, they're big. <laughs> they're bad, and they're beetle balls. They've got swords. Um, they got robots. So sorry. Yeah, it becomes a fantastic, nice little little like they they have their little universe, a little world. It's the end of the world. Lots of people are dead. Frank is looking to reach out and make friends and 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 see if they can live in this new world, whereas Bill's still quite closed in because of his survivalist nature and, like, he was already quite closed off from the world. Um, and they do meet Tess and Joel, younger Tess and Joel, and they start trading with them, they start talking to them, and there's a lot of... <coughs> you can see them mirrored in each other, so Bill and Joel are both closed off emotionally, um, but Bill has accepted Frank. He's he's opened himself up to it and he loves Frank and he's he's you know he's open enough to it whereas Joel remains closed off even years after he's lost his daughter. He doesn't love Frank either. <laughs> even after years after he's lost his daughter he still hasn't sort of broken beyond that. And yeah, I think that loss has over it, yeah. that loss has stopped him. Yeah, she wasn't like he didn't know her that long. 14 years? I don't, in the grand scheme of things, <coughs> so he uh, he he struggles to sort of move on emotionally. But you see, like they are, they are just almost complete, completely the same in terms of their character. Like, like Joel is closed off; he's an asshole, but he can survive. Bill's closed off; he's an asshole, but he can survive. But he is like suddenly got this other romance, and you see twenty years of this romance through this episode. Well, seventeen, I think it is. But you see their romance through the years, and like it develops, and they like they go out in a romantic way. And it's just so much more than the video game was. And the reason that a lot of people are questioning, why is this an episode of a post-apocalyptic zombie show? And, like, it is because they They need are, to get 11 episodes to 12 episodes. It's nine episodes. episodes. Nine episodes, yeah. They but got a nine episode No, it's, it is just literally, it's showing that there is life beyond mm. the end of the world. Like, all we've seen so far are people surviving up until this episode where we've seen that there are people that can find things, that can find love, that can develop things... Mm. You know, it's not just holding on to stuff that's dying and disappearing. It's, you know, 
finding new stuff, finding new love, new interests, like finding something that, that they grow fruit and veg together and they have like this little, it's very cute, it's very sweet. Nick Offerman, a straight man, but he's a fantastic in almost everything he's in, is incredible in this. Like, he, he even gets a chance to do a signature giggle where he's just like, <laughs> like, there's a moment where they go and um, Frank's signature like... signature giggle. Yeah, have you not? He, whenever he's really excited in Parks and Rec, yeah. it's like, come on, Andy, don't leave me behind. <laughs> like, that's his, like, he has this really childish giggle that he does when he's laughing. Mm. And then like the rest of the time he's very serious. Anyway, so, but he's got that, it's like his signature thing that he does. Anyway, so him and him and Frank have this really sweet moment where they're like jogging around their little, their very small little area that they've cordoned off from everything else. And, uh, and, he says, I'm sorry I got old on you. And he goes, no, that's okay. And like the, that night they get some like people come and try and steal stuff from them. And obviously Bill's traps just fucking eviscerate most of them. But Bill gets shot. And we see that like Frank is desperately trying to save his life. And Bill is just saying to him, look, just call Joel. Joel will look after you. You can't survive on your own as he passes out from these bullet wounds. And then it cuts to a few years later. And sadly, Frank has got some sort of degenerative brain disease. Or potentially cancer. Like something that's eating his body away and Bill is taken to looking after him and they're just like a very sweet couple at the end of their lives just chatting and they're having these moments and it's just like Frank is like I've decided like this is the end and in in quite a sad moment he says I like he's like maybe a doctor come around and, and Frank's like what with a MRI machine <laughs> like a traveling MRI salesman's gonna come around they didn't have a cure for this when there was an apocalypse. Like, I'm not going to get better. And he's just like, okay. And, like, he sort of accepts it and they love each other. And they have, like, a nice little day where they just do everything that Frank wants to do. I guess we'll do everything you want to do. Um, and it's very sweet and it's such a tender moment. And, again, like... He gets the ball gag. <laughs> in a series that is about the apocalypse and it is about people surviving the apocalypse, it is, it's integral that, unlike The Walking Dead where every time they found something, they were still like, I'm still going to kill you all. <laughs> like, every- the Walking Dead, they're the Walking Dead. <laughs> that's, that's that the was the point. The point. Yeah. yeah. No, but like, in The Walking Dead, there was never real hope. <laughs> it was always just like, they're moving from one horrendous thing to another horrendous thing, and often they're the horrendous thing. <laughs> but they were just like, it just didn't work. Like, there was no hope to it. Whereas in this, they're immediately showing you, look, the world has ended. Wait, wasn't one of the towns called Hope or something? No. No. What was the bit town? Like, rooftop or whatever it was, or hilltop. There's a couple. There's some silly names. Yeah, there's there. some stupid names. There was, like, hilltop and fucking the conclave or whatever it was. And then there was the prison. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's just... It's so nice to have a, have a series go, look, horrible shit, horrible shit, horrible shit. This is, like, an actual... This could be done. You can't be happy. There is a future. You just have to find it. Yeah. And if you find it, there's a risk you're going to lose it. But, you know, holding on to stuff you've already lost is just going to fuck you in the long run. And it's really nice it's to see that. That's it? what Bill and Frank are. What? They're going to hold on to Bill and Frank. They're going to get... Going to get busy. He's going to get busy. Frank's going to fuck Bill. Yeah. It's just, it's a really sweet episode. <laughs> and obviously... A lot of the internet is up in arms because it's a gay romance. Lots oh, of people going like, disgusting. and there's a loads oh. of there's so many fucking comments online oh. that people are like, I don't get it. It's a zombie program, and I've got an hour and a half romance, and it's like, you don't get it because you don't want to. Like, you can hide your homophobia all you want, but that's what it is. You couldn't stand. They want to see zombies necking on people. They want to see the zombies. They want to see zombies necking on someone, not two burly men. <laughs> 
I just don't understand not being open to the idea that the apocalypse contains all these different stories and these different ideas and these different people, and there are just glimmers of hope. Just just a little bit of hope. That's all you need. I think that the problem with The Walking Dead, as opposed to this, is we knew The Walking Dead was just going to go on forever until it, like, it, it was never going to end. The comic ended in a way that did show hope. Like, the comic ends and... And The Walking Dead are pretty much not a ha- not like a risk anymore. Like, the only time you see The Walking Dead is Glenn's son, Glenn, Glenn and Maggie's son, has a travelling circus and he has, like, D-jawed like D jawed and D-armed dead people. He's like, this is what we used to be scared of. And it's like, oh, right, yeah, it's, like, kind of a joke now. And they've got a president again and, like, everything's sort of coming, getting back to normal. And, like, in the TV show, they're obviously like, I wonder where Rick's gone. <laughs> Who can I shoot next? <laughs> They got oh, a new no. president in the show. And the they? Pres- no, yeah. they don't know. And the a- president said, "My first plan of action is to find where Rick's gone." <laughs> Someone bring me Rick Grimes for some reason. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, two episodes of Walking of uh, uh, the Last of Us, not the Walking Dead. Two episodes of the Last of Us. Fucking just incredible TV. Just really good TV. It's a Tom Atkins. I fucking love it. Your review, Ad. Um. No, I need to pad this out, don't I? If I can pad, yeah, come pad, pad out, shit. mate. Pad out. Pad this shit pad out. This pad, shit. pad this shit out. Be a professional. Uh, don't be I suspicious. pull a review out from weeks ago that I could have done? Yeah, go for it. Uh, I watched Glass Onion. Oh, yeah. How'd you find it? It's pretty good. Yeah? Yeah, pretty good. I, I think I just like this subgenre of films, which is about um, tearing down rich people and <laughs> pretentious people. Um, yeah. More of those. I, just, I, I don't think I'll ever get tired of watching films. About yeah. ripping into rich people. I don't think anyone does. I love yeah, it. Yeah, until I'm rich. And then I'll say I like it, but I won't get it. Yeah. Um, but no, Glass Onion's great. It's like, people keep complaining. It's not that it breaks a bunch of mystery genre rules. The mystery isn't the murder. That's not the mystery. The Because the fact is, is that it's all very dumb. And Benoit Blank gets dragged into this whole very dumb situation. Um because that's the level of intelligence you get with rich people. And it's kind of playing off the whole murder mystery rule. Um, the pretense of a lot of murder mysteries is some well-to-do posh person. You know, there's a it's always posh people. Yeah. Like Midsummer Murders, the richest people all live in that village. Fucking Miss Marple keeps getting dragged into rich people's problems. There's always murder on the Orient Express. And it's all these socialites and all this sort of shit. <laughs> and this film's playing off that whole idea. If you got dragged into this murder mystery, a bunch of socialites, they ain't dumb enough to have a good. They're not smart enough to have a good plan. It's going to be the dumbest fucking shit possible. I like the fact that they and the sit- film dissects that and tears it apart. And the mystery is for us to figure out how this all comes together in yeah. the end and unravels. And I, it's fucking, just a lot of fun. I just love the scene at dinner where he's like. I've invited you all to murder mystery. It's going to be my murder. And then someone goes, oh, so you're just going to lie on the floor for like two days? He goes, no, fuck that. <laughs> Why would I do that? I really like the opening sequence where um, they've all got the mystery box and you got them all calling each other and the mum's just sat in the background going, it's a fucking stereogram. And she's not even looking at it and she's solving the puzzle because it's setting up how dumb they are. Yeah. And then it just cuts to... Um, what's her name? I can't remember who plays uh, friggin' the woman. She's Kate, a, Kate Hudson. No, the... The woman who's... Oh, um... Try to get the cast up. You keep talking, I'll get the cast Singer up. and stuff, isn't she? Yeah. But, um, Mary J. Blige. No. no. But um, it just cuts to her and she just smashes the box apart with a hammer. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like... Yeah. Yeah, they all did the whole friggin' doing the puzzles, playing the game. They want to be part of the fun experience. Something they can vlog about and all this sort of shit. She doesn't care, she just smashes it. 
because the aim is to get inside it. So she gets inside it. <laughs> Janelle Monet. That's it. Janelle Monet. Yes, she just does loads of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just the the that that way that writes out about how one of them is clearly a lot smarter and a lot more direct than the rest of the characters. Um, but uh, it's just it's good fun. Time. I don't know if I prefer it to Knives Out or not. Knives Out is just like so intricately well put together. I prefer Knives Out yeah. to this. I think my thing is that this, um, once you start getting the CGI stuff towards the end, gets a bit ropey. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But other than that, it's not many it. buildings that have a giant glass onion on top of no, them. Well, what? that wasn't that wasn't the issue. <laughs> that set was fine. It was when everything starts exploding. <laughs> you, your um, CGI explosions. That's what they suck. Are. Yeah, they do suck. You, your CGI explosion. Um, I like the random um, cameo from Hugh Grant. No, not Hugh Grant. From um, what's his face? You know the one who's in Moon from in um, Moon Knight. Oh, um, Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke, yeah. He plays the assistant. Yeah, he turns up for one scene. Yeah, just to... Disappears, because they had him for half a day. Yeah. And Natasha Lynch is in there, probably when they're formulating, doing that new show she's in, isn't she? Oh, Leon. No, she's in a new show with... No, Natasha Leon. Natasha Leon. Ginger Lady. Yeah. Yeah. I said Natasha Leon. No, you said said Natasha Lynch. You're Natasha Lynch. Anyway. (laughs) Natasha Leon, she's in that new show. Poker Face. Poker Face. Yeah. Can't read my... I my favorite scene the whole fucking film is just that dinner scene where he's like he is like I'm gonna do a murder mystery and like he like he's obviously a very dumb person mm. and he's like I had this designed by the most expensive people and like and immediately Benoit Blanc's like ah oh, so it's a crossbow oh, it's, it's excuse a- me have we started and yeah. then he just yeah just rips it to pieces it open in seconds <laughs> it's just yeah fantastic yeah it's really nice to make some really clever lighting in some bits as well when the lights all go out. Mm. And they have that whole sequence where they're being lit up by the um, the lighthouse light. Yeah. Um, and there's all the little things that are set up earlier on, like the piece of shit dock and about how that stops anyone being able to get to the island because it's the piece of shit that doesn't yeah. work. I like the um, uh, running joke of Jared Leto's hard kombucha and uh, Jeremy Renner's hot sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he should whip up a batch of that hot yeah. sauce while he's in hospital. He's uh, learning to walk again. Is he? So I don't think he's going to be whipping anything up anytime soon. Yeah? Is he going to dance and sing and do I another don't think album? So. I really don't think so. Uh, this is becoming no. incredibly dark. Uh, well, he's going to play Hawkeye from now on. I don't care. They'll just I... marionette a digital copy yeah. of his face on yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Why is Hawkeye walking funny? <laughs> yeah, we've got to do Hawkeye season two. Marvel's going to come knocking. Yeah, that's true. They're going to need him for that. Be like on the phone to him, I was like, "Did you go deaf? No, shit. Hawkeye's deaf in the comics. We could have used that. Yeah, what is going on with you? I've got no kneecaps. So CGI you're shorter likes. now, <laughs> like like Cotton Hill. <laughs> shorter or taller than Robert Downey Jr. Shorter. Fuck. Oh, Jeremy Renner. If only had the Jeremy Renner app to update us. If only we could find out how he was doing by the Jeremy Renner app. You don't follow him on Instagram? Need to relaunch the Jeremy Renner app. We need it. Anyway, um, Glass Onion. It's good fun. It's supposed to be a third one being made, isn't there? There is, yeah. Didn't they two for Netflix, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe you could do two for, I don't know, Peacock or fucking... Who cares? Do one for Roku TV. Yeah. Oh, Um, Weird Al themed one. Yeah. That'd be great. Everyone keeps saying you should do a Muppets one, and I think that's too obvious. I think they should do one where he's invited to a murder mystery party of like other 
detectives. Yeah. And they're all competing for who can be the best detective. But all detectives from other TV shows. Let's get the fucking... Let's get what's-his-face from Midsummer Murders in there. Angela Lansbury. No, the guy. The bloke. What's his name? I don't know his name. Mr. No. Mudders. I don't know. Him. How many murders happened in mid- in that place? Loads of this. There's an episode where he gets married, but they're in the Caribbean or some shit, and a murder happens at his wedding. I think so that guy's just yeah. murdering people yeah, and blaming other is. people. I mean, he has a detective that helps him out in, like, series two, and I don't think he's in it ever again. Was one of the things about Glass Onion, was one of the things that he doesn't wear shoes? Who? Hey. Uh, what's his name? Um... The main character, not the main character, but the the guy who ends up doing it all, Edward uh, Norton. Edward Norton. He yeah. doesn't wear shoes, does he? So probably I don't know. Because you know, at the end shit. where they're smashing all the things, and he's like, "Oh, real mature." Hmm. I thought at first it was because they were smashing all the shit that he had made, but then I saw that he wasn't wearing shoes, and I was like, "Oh, that's really clever, actually." And then she starts setting fire to stuff, and like the things burning down. I was like, "Oh, so he can't escape because he's not wearing shoes because there's glass all over the fucking place." No, and it was wasn't that. They're all. smashing stuff up because it winds them up. The only thing you can do to rich people is, is just destroy, destroy their, their shit. shit. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't affect them much. I like the fucking Mona but... Lisa little button. Mm. It goes off the whole way through the film. Yeah, just... every time someone's phone goes off. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Good fun comedy caper. I'll tell you one thing. Dave Bautista once again just proving that he can be both incredibly lovable mm. in some films and then a complete shitbag in others. He, was, he really wants to be in that Gears of War show, doesn't he? He was in the adverts He's for it. He's better than that. Like, yeah. He? But I think he'd be good. I think he'd actually be good Is in Gears of War. Friggin' blank slate, no name, friggin' boring ass, friggin' personality bereft cunt they got playing Master Chief. Oh, what? Miles Phoenix? No, what? Isn't yeah. that the name of the guy? Miles Phoenix. Miles Phoenix? Isn't that the name of the friggin'. That's the name of friggin' Gears of War guy. But who's that who's that tall, boring looking, generic wrestler looking fucker who's in Mars in Gears of War in in Halo. The Halo series. Yeah, Miles Miles Phoenix. That's not a real name. Isn't it? What's his name? He's no. Miles Phoenix, isn't it? I don't know. One second. Isn't that the name of the bad guy in Demolition Man? Miles Phoenix. <laughs> Miles Phoenix. Wait. Oh wait, no, it's just bringing up Garmin Abs. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Gears of War. No, Halo. The Halo oh. series. Oh, the Halo that series. That twat. Marcus Phoenix is the character Marcus in... Marcus Phoenix is the character in Gears yeah. of War. And then Halo, Master Chief. Yeah, who's playing him in the series? I'm not watching Paul Schneider. What? Paul, Paul Schneider. What? Paul Schneider. What? <laughs> Master Chief TV series. Paul Halo. Schrader. Is that his name? I think so. He looks like a generic guy. No, he was the leprechaun in... in um, American Gods, Pablo Schreiber. Leave Schreiber's brother. What? Yeah. Jesus. Um, Has anyone watched the Halo show? Yeah, I watched it. Yeah, it looks like shit. It was pretty bad. There were a couple of... Um, oh, his half-brother is Leave Schreiber. There were, like, a couple of... There, like, in the first episode, they have, like, a little battle with stuff. And, like, they use energy weapons on people without shields. Oh. And just eviscerates big chunks of their bodies. And I was like, oh, more of that, please. And then it was just like, oh... It's like a buddy cop. I thing. saw the first person shoot a bit where the camera kept going oh, yeah, to the bad. back of his it's head. Bad, yeah. <laughs> um, there was like the second... someone actually watched the Doom movie and go, "Oh yeah." The second episode had like yeah. an interesting through line because the, there was like uh, there was another cadet that Master Chief was in the program with, and he was like he went through the same stuff as Master Chief, but his hands completely fucked. 
like from like an accident when they're yeah. doing like a training exercise. Like all so he uses the Xbox adaptive controller to help him <laughs> to get through the battle. Yeah. <laughs> like an adult version the, of the wizard. Yeah, you got the product placement <laughs> in the show. <laughs> it's only sixty four. It's sixty four ninety nine. You can buy it for the Xbox dashboard. So anyway, the adaptive controller. <laughs> So he, he basically says, like, fuck this thing. They've experimented all since we were, like, kids, and they mm. fucked my hand, and, like, we're not allowed to do anything. We're just here, programmed to be basically fucking robots. Mm. And Master Chief's like, if you run, I'm going to tell him. And he's like, give me ten minutes. He goes, I'll give you five. <laughs> and then that guy gets away, and they go and find him in the second episode, and he's, like, living off-world in, like, a mining colony. And like they're, um, he's like one of the people that defends like the miners and stuff from people that yeah. try and come and like steal shit. Um, but it just becomes like generic sci-fi action shit. Like it could have been anything. Like they could have told one they of the Halo stories that when they announced the Xbox One. Did they? No, they announced the Xbox. No, the Halo it was TV series. Be the Neil Blomkamp. No, it's going to be produced by Steven Spielberg. Neil Blomkamp did a short film. That was yeah, just he a was going to do film. a full film though. No. Nah. They yeah, had... he was hired to do it. And then he got fired yeah, from that. Gets... Was going to do Aliens Five. He never freaking does anything. But they were going to do a TV He's doing series. Robocop now. And they announced a Halo TV series at the Xbox Awards, and that's what this ended up being. Fucking bullshit. Anyway, what are you reviewing? Oh, my next review is going to be a new film. No. A new film about the American healthcare system. What? Yeah. I watched a film about the American healthcare system, or at least it's a metaphor for the American healthcare system. It's Saw 5. <laughs> yes! No. Was it I Saw was... 5 or Saw 6? Saw 6. Um, yeah. That's the one with the insurance guy, right? Yeah, the one that's yeah. really good. Yeah, Not, it's actually, actually quite fun. Quite yeah, fun. it's actually decent. Saw 5 is the one with Julie Benz in it, and I kept feeling bad for her the whole way through it. Yes, because yeah, it's the one where there's a bunch of people. Shit. No, I don't mind that one. That's terrible. No, because that's the one where they all have to work together, right? Yeah, it's yeah, rubbish. I don't, I, no, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. The whole meta thing is like, oh, if you worked together, you would have got through it. I like, there's there's a Saw film. Someone posted a clip of it the other day. I can't remember which film it's in, but I remember the, uh, it might be Saw 3D. And it's the one where the guy's like, you're 55 years old and you smoke, sit on your ass all day and watch TV and eat red meat. So I've put you in a trap that makes you really value your life. <laughs> it's like, every time he, he has to hold his breath for like two minutes. And every time he breathes, this like clamp goes down on the sides of his chest a bit more. And I was like, "You, you just picking on a guy who smokes and eats meat? Like, this, like I get your your message here, but this is just a re- he hasn't killed anyone. He's just having his having an all right time by himself, and he's fifty odd. Leave him the fuck alone." He's just like, "I grabbed him off the street because he was he was punching a dart." <laughs> hey, what were you? Uh- anyway, sorry, I watched a film that's about the American healthcare system called yeah. Blood. The Last Vampire. No, called oh. Blood, starring Michelle Monaghan and Skeet Ulrich. Oh. Shut up. Shut the fuck Skeet up. Ulrich. Shut up. He was in Scream. Yeah. You saw Scream 5. You liked him in Scream 5 when he played the wing mirror. Oh, no, it was the rear view mirror. Do you remember Digital that? Digital Skeet Ulrich. No, that was him. That was yeah. the real him doing a cameo. Yeah. Anyway, so Blood is a story of a woman who is just out of a relationship. Um, she's She's getting divorced. Um, the divorce is because for a long time she was an alcoholic and like the relationship fell apart. And during that time, her husband started sleeping with the nanny. So she's sharing, of um, course. she's sharing a custody of her children with the father. The he nanny. gets to see them every other weekend and then she takes care of them the rest of the time. One day. How much is he paying? Shut child? up. Shut up. Listen. 
<laughs> One day the kids are out playing and they find the old lake, which has dried up. And Michelle Monaghan says, don't go near the lake. And the kids are like, I'm going to go near that lake. And they go near the lake. And the dog's like, I'm going to go nearer the lake. And they're like, no, dog, don't go nearer the lake. And the dog goes nearer the lake. Yeah. Gets spooked. The kids manage to get the dog back home. But then at night, the dog's like, I'm spooked. I'm going to go running. And it's not a very well-trained dog. I'm going to be honest about this. Not the dog's fault, but not very well-trained. It keeps running off in this film. Yeah. The dog runs off. And then the next afternoon, the dog comes back. And the kids are like, yay, the dog's back. The little boy especially is like, I'm going to go see the dog. And the little boy gets close to the dog. And the dog fucking does him in. Savages him. Oh, grabs cute. his leg. Goes, num, 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 num. Oh, gets his neck. Goes, num, 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 num. And then the kid has to go to hospital. Luckily, Michelle Monaghan is a nurse or a doctor. They don't really specify in this. She's a nurse or a doctor. And she basically, um, the kid has vampirism or some primitive form of vampirism. And needs, okay. needs human blood to survive. I mean, you, we all need human blood to survive. <laughs> needs to drink it, though, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, like on the regs. Yeah. <laughs> Not just in a Bloody Mary from that weird club in London. Like, on the regs, yeah. mate. Um, so this kid is is bleeding her dry. Eventually, is also bleeding other people dry, where he just needs this constant feed, or he goes mad. Hmm. One point... He almost kills a baby, his his half-sister with the nanny that the dad has had. Because Ski Ulrich, he gets down. Hmm. And uh, he almost kills that child. And it's all a metaphor for medical services in the US and how they cost so much, they destroy lives. And they cost so much to the point where they can destroy the future of even children that are just in the family. I mean, the medical complex, pharmaceutical complex. In the US. Is the real vampire. Yeah, yeah. Not the children. And then in the end, the woman... But the children's vampire. She in the, the end, kids the one sucking the In the end, the woman has to let go of the child, and by let go, I mean drown him in a very shallow pool of mud, hmm. because, because you know, or else the entirety of their lives will be destroyed by this horrific illness that he's going hmm. through. Yeah, probably should have killed him early on. Probably should have killed him pretty early on, yeah. So let the dog, dog have him. Yeah. <laughs> But um, but she she does she drowns him like we see a we see like an eleven year old boy get drowned in some very shallow. He's mud. a vampire. He's got a golem face at the point that they, I mean, they have to. He was undead. Yeah, he's, so got, he's got a golem face. They just turned into a mist. Somehow they mm. ruled the death as an accident. <laughs> <laughs> she gets away with it. No, good for her. Um, but no, like it, it was a really interesting film to watch because like initially I was like, oh, it's going to be like the remember- film. Did you even say the name? Yeah, of it? Blood. No, it's just called Blood. Yeah. The but, Last Vampire. No, just Blood. Oh. Blood is Blood the Last Vampire starring Lucy Liu. That's no, the full title, Blood. That's anime. Oh, you're talking about the anime? Yeah. That's Blood the Last Vampire, the series. Yeah, I watched the anime OVA years yeah, ago. Yeah. Got it somewhere. Of course you did. It's got boobies in it. No, I don't think so. It's just, I remember um, some plane sequence. But anyway, so it's it's all it's all just a metaphor for the... It's a horror movie metaphor for the uh, American medical complex. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Because it's not initially evident, but you can see, like, a lot of their fights and a lot of, like, the husband saying, like, what have you done? Why isn't our son getting this? Why is this not happening? And, like, it's, like, the confusion of the people around you when you're trying to do something and, like, the nonsensical advice you take trying to save someone that's beyond saving. I mean, like, the desperation that, that's inherent in well, that sort of situation. Just homeless people. She does kidnap a suicidal old lady who's dying of cancer. Sweet. And drain her slowly of blood. mm um, and I thought that was pretty bad, but then I I saw that as like 
that old woman was essentially, you know, like those people that um, donate to GoFundMe's in the US to try and help people when they're going through like major medical emergencies. Like it's how it affects third parties as well, how it brings other people into it and then they give up chunks of their life or money or, you know, other services just to try and try and help. But in the end, it's it ends up killing her, um, ends up costing her her life. Um, which is which is like an interesting parallel to how those things really do affect everyone around them. Um, but yeah, interesting film. Uh, it's probably not about any of that. It's probably just uh, meant to be a shitty vampire film. <laughs> but when is I was watching, Michelle like, Monaghan British. Pardon? She's British. No, she's Canadian, I think. Is she? Yeah. Well, they have a healthcare system in Canada. Yeah, they? yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. she's not in Canada. So in it must this be movie. really weird for her. Yeah, it must be weird to like watch a kid die and not be like, just take him to the doctor. In, in Canada, they just give them vampire juice to treat vampirism. It's a real thing. Did she try, why don't she drive a stake for his heart? Oh, because that doesn't work. They're not like those sorts of vampires. It comes across I'm pretty as- sure driving a stake through anyone's heart, whether they're a vampire or not, will kill them. It's it's not really unique to vampires that you need a stake for your heart. No, that's true. <laughs> um, what was the film where someone says, like, <laughs> so someone says, maybe we can shoot him with some bullets? And it's like, yeah, I think if you shoot anyone with some bullets, they'll die, regardless of if they're silver or not. <laughs> oh, that was it. Was um, <laughs> you know the original Blade? Yeah. So they were like Stephen Norrington had like a bunch of scenes involving babies. <laughs> so you know the really fat vampire that he has the torch on. Yeah. Apparently that guy lives off of babies. <laughs> what was the name of um, the script? The bad guy in that. Victor what Frost. What in the yeah. first one? Is it Frost? Deacon Frost. Deacon Frost. Deacon Frost. Yeah. 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 Um, Remember his hand went all blood... Yeah, yeah. His yeah. blood yeah. Um And then also there was another thing about it. So Is this uh, set during the winter, this blood film? No. It sounds like something set no, in the it's winter. set during like autumn, spring. Oh. Autumn. So there's no motherfuckers trying to ice skate uphill. <laughs> there's no motherfuckers. No motherfuckers trying to did ice skate Did you know there's uphill. a lo- uh, Let the Right One In TV series? Yeah, I did. I found out about that. Yeah, I saw on Paramount Plus a few months ago and I was like, what? Someone... I, I saw one of those things where it's like, the TV shows that have been cancelled this year and it was like, Let the Right One In. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> why would that not be one series and never anymore? I mean, um, it kind of worked well enough as an hour and a half long film. It, <laughs> even the remake wasn't bad. Yeah, that was Matt Reeves. Wasn't yeah, it? it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Blood is a really interesting yeah, I've been, film. I've been hyping up Matt Reeves for years. It's a really saying. interesting film as like a, as I said, like a metaphor for the American medical like system. But I don't think it's. I, I'm not 100 percent sure it's meant to be like that. But it reads really like that, yeah. like the vampirism, the kid, the way it affects a family, like. The way it brings up loads of old shit that happened in the past and the way it like destroys relationships and, and and like I said, the baby thing, that keeps becoming a focus, even though that baby's never Ew, given babies. A name. Like it keeps being the focus, like that innocence and how that innocence is gonna be destroyed by this child's illness and everything he's going through. And like keeps being like a point of like he's getting closer and closer to the point where he's like transformed and it's just gonna eviscerate that child's existence. And I was like, Yeah, it's just like the medical system in the US. Like, people become so poor, they can't afford to, like, enrich that child's life or even feed their kids in some situations. I was mm. like, this is really fucking deep. But it might just be nothing to do with any of that. I'm probably reading way too deep into this film that is, you know, fine. You know, it's fine. A kid gets killed. That's always interesting in films. Yeah. Yeah. Because they don't often do it. They don't often have the guts to do it. But, like, Last of Us does it in the first episode. The Walking Dead did it in the first episode. Again, parallels between those two. Um, but, yeah, Blood. Um... Interesting if those themes are to be in there. If they're not, 
It's it's just like uh, straight down the down the middle. Like, you need to make sure by learning how to talk about um, film criticism and how to criticize. Oh, like that hour and a, hour and forty minute long film that Patrick Williams did. Yeah, you could um, you could like get a subscription to Nebula, and if you subscribe to Nebula right now, you'll also get a subscription to Curiosity Stream. And this is our sponsor segment. Are we um, have a sponsor. No. Oh fuck! I just if I say so, they might give me money. No, they won't ever give us money for the sponsor after the fact. Do you remember that time when um, Quinton like thought he was going to get a sponsorship for Raid? So he's been in that one. I did an episode about the game. <laughs> no, it's in the middle of another video because he spends the whole time talking about how they're going to talk about the sponsor later, and then he just spends an hour on Rage Shadow Legends, and then the punchline at the end is anyway. This episode sponsored by NordVPN. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, blood! Matthew Modine. If it's if those themes aren't meant to be there, it's just straight down the middle. Matthew Modine. But if the themes are meant to be in there, I think it's a lot more interesting than than just a bog standard horror movie. I think I I'm just searching for horror movies that say something because they were like the back in like the eighties and the seventies. Horror movies were so much about like the AIDS crisis and things people weren't talking about in like films. I thought they were about scary man's coming in your dreams. Yeah, but that was always like that was always like relating to something they always had something to say and that was really interesting and now they don't really do that the, well, Nightmare on Elm Street was telling kids you should not go to bed stay up all night Nightmare on Elm Street Watch was like TV. an anti-drug film I don't think so how the fucking they told the point was they stay awake and then the man won't get them with the knives anyway uh, but if, if those themes are meant to be in there I'm going to give it a Helen Mirren so really Nightmare on Elm Street was about you should maybe make one sequel max and stop there that second film is pretty good fucking goes off the rails Dream Warriors man what's that one with the video game bit when he turns Freddy turn does Freddy turn into a motorbike in one of them yeah the yeah. fourth one yeah fucking hell yeah Dream yeah. Child oh jeez because you got you got Nightmare on Elm Street 1 you got Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy's, Freddy's Revenge. You wouldn't catch Mike Myers going off the rails Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. Nightmare on yeah. Elm Street 4, The Dream Child. Yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street 5, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Nightmare on Elm Street 6. <laughs> Very final. <laughs> no, I think that might be Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Um, and then you got Nightmare on Elm Street 7. Yeah. Which was... It's a new nightmare, isn't it? The new one, yeah. Yeah, and then Freddy vs. Jason. And then Freddy vs. Jason. And yeah. then the remake. And then the remake. Which then did on the cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> Optimistic. And <laughs> 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 you Sorry, optimistic killed me. Why your review. I have the confidence to put a teaser for a sequel I at the end of your mate. remake film. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows where they get the the ghoul to do that shit? Your review, Ant. Do a review. Yeah. Um, Golden Eye. <laughs> I found this weakness. <laughs> they really take stopped. us back to twenty-eight years. That only a couple, only a week. Goldeneye got re-released. Twenty-seven years after, old, now, isn't it? Nineteen ninety-eight, ninety-six. Not bring that up. Ninety-six was it or ninety-eight? Ninety-seven came. Ninety-seven. Yeah, it was a bit late after the film. Twenty-six years. Um. But anyway, fucking Goldeneye. <laughs> Twenty-six years. There's, as many people know, there's a Goldeneye. <laughs> there's a leaked version of Goldeneye the remake that was made for the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty. Yes. Yes. Um, which is a fairly decent remake. Yeah, instead, did you buy it? instead, no, but I've seen it. Oh, okay, yeah. But instead, we got the ROMs. 
Um, <laughs> and I'm fine with presenting the games how they were originally presented. I had the ROMs But sometimes, sometimes you had the ROMs, did you? Yeah, the ROMs the other day. Well, Quark's brother from Star Trek came. No, I had, a, I had a protein pack. Gave me the ROMs real oh, bad. Yeah. <laughs> <But> anyway. <laughs> you know how, like, yeah. you can put them on a console. Some old controllers are a little bit weird. <laughs> the N64 controller's odd. So how would you... What would you say is the best way to... It's like a fucking trident if you snip yeah. the stick yeah. off. Like, if you took that weird controller with its strange control method where... <laughs> Like every game had a different way of holding the pad. There's multiple, you know. There's, there's like three yeah. different ways you can hold that pad yeah. to play games, right? Yeah. And your current console only has really one real way to hold the pad. Yeah. Um, you'd think maybe you would customize the controls best suited for whichever pad, you know, for the new pad. But instead, they they took the decision to put shoot on ZL on the Switch, the left trigger below your analog stick and then they they kept the look and movement on the right stick for strafe and look up and look down which doesn't doesn't work very well <laughs> no you know um and you know that makes the switch version kind of difficult but it is the original version of the game okay they made that mention about it having um, widescreen yeah um the original game had widescreen as well <laughs> you just had to change the aspect ratio on your tv it was it played in widescreen. If you had a widescreen uh, TV, yeah, wasn't it like you have to change the ratio to sixteen by nine instead of setting it to widescreen? You just set it to sixteen by nine, and it does widescreen. Yeah, the N sixty four game had widescreen. It wasn't an enhancement. It's, yeah. it's just in this, it automatically makes it fit your screen yeah. on this one. Um, so you know, the N sixty four version, it's got it's got some issues in there. Yeah, but I think the Switch port of it is relatively accurate to the original one. If you've got one of those N sixty four controllers, probably perfect. Um, Frame rate's a bit wonky on that, the, yeah, the, the Switch version. Was, but, yeah. um, but then you get the Xbox version. <laughs> the Xbox Series X is many times more powerful than the Switch. Um, and this game does run at a locked 30 frames per second. A lot? Right? Except it doesn't feel like it. Because <laughs> something's going on with it. And I think what they've done... I'm going to get technical here. Yeah, they fucked it. So you know how, like, when you make a 3D poly- polygonal structure... Yeah. All the points are matched up to a what they call a floating point. Mm-hmm. So, like the polygon knows, okay, I'm on this pixel right now. If the camera moves, I'm now on this pixel, yeah. right? And the resolution of that will be the resolution of the game. So, this is a ROM for a game that runs at like what 240p, 480p, whatever, mm-hmm. right? I don't think they adjusted the floating point thing. So, all the high resolution polygons in the game are floating around on the 480p resolution. So when the slightest movement happens of your camera, these polygons don't move one pixel up. They move like 10 or 8 or whatever, whatever the resolution is scaled up by from the original ROM. So all the polygons in the Xbox version of GoldenEye wobble the fuck all over the place. It's also, isn't it? Isn't it actually a remaster on the Xbox? No, no, it's the, it's the original ROM. But there's all sorts of weirdness, man. Like, plays better. Mm-hmm. The controller's been remapped, and fancy that. Fancy remapping the controllers for a modern controller so that it plays, like, relatively decently. I was right about the online multiplayer. Well, it's only on the Switch version, <laughs> but it uses the... It's, it's basically using the thing Net that code. treats it like it's a regular local game, doesn't it? Yeah. It's not like you can't go into matches or anything. There's no ranked play or leaderboards no, or no. random matches. Um that was blatantly part of the whole terms and conditions of getting it on both formats. They wanted to make sure one version didn't have a significant advantage over the other, wasn't it? Mm. Um, 
But yeah, all the polygons wobble all over the place. Which in the original game, they would have wobbled all over the place, right? But mm-hmm. you're looking at it on a 480p TV that has like, you know, fuzzy lines interpl- interplay in the image. So that those wobbly textures aren't going to wobble so much on your standard TV. They're going to wobble a lot when that image is blown up to 4K and the gap between those points that the polygons are attached to is wider than it would normally be. Because you remember PS1 games would be wobbly, right? Do you remember all that? They would have a little bit of wobble to them. And that's because the PS1 couldn't compute floating point triangulations of polygons. So things would wobble all over the place while it was trying to figure it out. N64 had similar troubles. But when you watch this Goldeneye, right from the first moment... (coughs) And the camera's panning through. The whole world looks like it's like you know in Rugrats when the characters <laughs> wobble, and Beavis and Butthead. There's that wobbly effect on yeah, the edges. Yeah, there's a the lines image. on the edge. Yeah, like, yeah, because they aren't tracing or anything. They're just sort of like they're redrawing a lot of those images. There's actually, there's actually when you get to digital art, they just use a um, thing that moves the spline of the edge of the image. Oh yeah, but like um, I'm talking about like the, the, the old one, yeah, like Daria. Yeah, they would just redraw the image, yeah, and you'd get that little wobble on it. Yeah, but um, yeah, it looks like that when the camera moves around anywhere, everything wobbles. And I've there's the gaps in the polygon. Well. It's a bit weird on the Xbox version. It's not bad. Yeah. But um It's like echoey. Yeah, it doesn't sound as good. The Switch version sounds fine to me. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's just like you got these you got one of the most revered games of all time. And you're presenting the original ROMs on them, and that's fine to present the original ROMs and not do anything extra to it. But could you at least make sure they like they work. They work properly. Like someone's actually done like a pretty good controller map for the GoldenEye on the Switch. Yeah, I haven't bothered doing it. I'll give it a go, but Yeah. Like really good. Like yeah. it actually works. I've I've had a go and I haven't done it all because still <coughs> feels a bit weird, some of it, but I didn't do all of the changes. I couldn't get I was struggling with the controls on the Switch version. I'm gonna give one. it a go. I'm gonna give it another yeah. go. But yeah, like it's weird. Yeah. It doesn't work. But um, I, th- I think it's weird as well. Like the Xbox version runs at a locked thirty frames per second, but because of that whole floating point stuff, I think what's happening is every now and again you're not moving as far per frame, or you're moving further per per frame than you would normally. Mm. So when you're playing it, it feels like frame rate start because you move a little bit oddly. Your your walking pace will speed up and slow down. Ah, oh, the pacing fucks it. So it's all yeah. It's the frame pacing's for- fine though. Like mm. everything's fine. It's a bit like Resident Evil where you pump up to 120 frames per second on Resident Evil 2, the remake. You do more damage with a knife. So the knife damage is judged by the frames. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. And all sorts of games do that. But this is just this is just weird. I mean, come on. Can you... It's GoldenEye, man. Just take some fucking... time and get it working. Yeah, get it. And they announced it six months ago. I know. Like... I fucking know, mate. It's, I mean, six months to get a... 26-year-old had... game. And it's not like they had to write the emulators because the N64 one runs on that yeah, IQ of... emulator thing. There is it's got. loads of weird shit going on with the Nintendo release stuff because you know like that... You know the 3D it... Land trilogy, the one that I got you? Yeah. That game, the uh, Mario 64 and that, is different from no, Mario, Mario 64. All-Stars. It's not 3D, man. 3D All-Stars, whatever yeah. it was, yeah. Mario 64 and that game works beautifully and yeah. looks great. But then you play the one on the on the Switch Online stuff, which is meant to be same resolution. Yeah, but the Switch Online one's just a straight up ROM. Yeah. Whereas the um, N64, the one they've put on that Mario like Stars is a, is a recompilation yeah. of it to run on Switch. But um, if you play with the N64 controller, it's fine on that um, that online Switch Online. Oh, is thing. it? Yeah, because it's literally running the ROMs. Because the N64 controller has a has zero dead zone in it. Yeah. Modern controllers have a dead zone. Ah. So, so a lot of games feel very different on those because modern controllers aren't the same as N64 ones. Yeah. But even old old games used to display stuff differently and all this. Like, there's all sorts of weird things that would go on with old games and how they ran. 
Um, N64 was like really early days of things being normal. Oh yeah, um, the freaking Xbox version um, freaking sorts textures incorrectly. Um, <laughs> the, the Switch all over the walls. The Switch version puts the texture maps too small, so you get loads of tiling because they've shrunk the textures down somehow. Okay. Because it's just like because the game's trying to crunch the resolution down or whatever, and it's well boosting it up, and it's just saying, "Oh, there should be more of these textures on this wall here." So it's taken the texture and it shrunk it down stuff, but at least the textures are sorted correctly because the N64 blurred textures in a triangle pattern it wasn't in a square like most games, most texture things do nowadays. Yeah. Um, but on the game Xbox, if you look at like any texture on the Xbox version, they're all like sorted the wrong way, so the edges all look wrong and stuff like that, and the texture maps look blown out. I did a comparison, a quick little comparison. I saw, I on, I saw on, on YouTube. I didn't get a chance to watch. Yeah, I friggin' it's not much of a comparison, but there was just a brief moment. I took a moment to stare at a wall. Mm-hmm. And then compare it to the Switch and the Xbox version. It looks wrong on Xbox. It looks right on Switch. <coughs> but the only thing is on Switch, the tiling's also worse. So all the textures are like look like they're shrunk down, but yeah. they're not. It's just because it's computing the resolution of them in a lower, in a smaller space than what it would originally. Jesus. Um, so the textures are in the right place on Xbox, but they're mapped wrong. <laughs> and I'm just can we just get these right. Can can I make a rule that Night Dive Studios deal with all N64 games from now on? Because you see how how good they did with Shadow Man and freaking, like, Turok Dinosaur Hunter and stuff like that. They're freaking spot on, their ports, their, their remasters of those. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe, just release that, X, that Xbox 360 remake that people must have spent years working on. And then it just got canned because someone didn't want to release it. Who knows who? Probably Nintendo. But, um, I don't know, Goldeneye, man. I found its weakness. Um, it was, you know, poor emulation on multiple consoles. It's really weird, the N64 emulation stuff, though, because you play Pilot Wings on the N64? No. One's at 1080p, 60 frames per second. Oh, really? They boosted it up, like, loads. Oh. It's, like, it's lovely playing that version of Pilot Wings on there. You know what? I've never wanted to play Pilot Wings again since playing it all those years ago. For some reason, I have the N64 and SNES ones. I don't know how I came across, <laughs> came to have them, but, yeah, I've got them. But anyway, Goldeneye, um... Must try harder. <laughs> I am bullious. I will live forever. Um, Do you remember they did that um, remake of Goldeneye? Yeah, with uh, Daniel Craig. Yeah, I was about to say Craig Some Charles. Digital Foundry didn't mention it. They mentioned the Rogue Agent. Do you remember Rogue Agent? Yeah, I remember Rogue yeah, Agent. That was bad. That was a bad game. Yeah, you they... played as you played as a villain called Goldeneye. No, he was an agent called Goldeneye because oh, he had a um, Goldeneye. Yeah, he had a Goldeneye. Yeah, yeah. So there's nothing to do with Goldeneye the film. No, but they. There was the remake one with Daniel Craig in it. Yeah, Legends. I, yeah, it wasn't Legends. Oh no, Legends did thing. remake it again though. Did it? No, Legends. Yeah. Legends is all like Sean Connery ones. No, Legends had a Goldeneye stage. Definitely, I'm sure it was a whole game for the Goldeneye one. Yeah, I know, but Legends had a Goldeneye level because Legends was different films with Pierce yeah, Brosnan and Moonwalker, Few Eyes Only, Doctor No, or From Russia with Love Level. I can't remember. It didn't have a Moonraker level, did it? Yeah, it had a Moonraker level. It yeah. had a level for uh, the other Pierce Brosnan ones as well, though, didn't it? Never dies There's only yeah. like six levels in that game. No, it had it? one. As- I never played it. It, was, it looked like shite. I played um, Bloodstone. Bloodstone was quite good. Bloodstone was meant to be really good. Yeah, yeah it was quite easy. And, and Everything or Nothing. That was a good game. I've got the um, From Russia With Love game. You know the one where they um, got Sean Connery to record new lines on it and mixed it in with lines from yeah. the original film? So he sounds 40 years different in age. Between each freaking <laughs> each one. Anyway, your 
For one the, second, one second. Fucking one nine, second. you haven't got There are anymore. 11 levels in 007 Legends, A of which contained... Oh. There was a Skyfall level. 007 Legends. Uh, was it Skyfall? I'm going to find out for you. A Quantum of Solace? <laughs> it, was, it came out on... No, Quantum of Solace had its own game, didn't it? Goldfinger on Her Majesty's Secret Service, Moonraker, License to Kill, Die Another Day, and Skyfall. Additionally, some of the original... I thought there was no Goldeneye level. I'm the Goldeneye sure was like whole Goldeneye. own game, and Boris wasn't in it. Oh, yeah. Okay, being built on the engine used for Eurocom's previous title, 007, Goldeneye 007 Reloaded. Yeah, the engine was the Call of Duty engine. Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, bad game. Okay. Anyway, um... My next review is something very exciting, and you know I love a movie. I've already spoken about one brand new one. I'm going to speak another brand new movie. I saw the 2023 classic. It's a brand new movie. Not many people have seen it yet. Starring one Gerard Butler. Have you heard of him? Gerard French actor. No, Gerard Butler. Who? Gerard Butler. I don't know who. It is. Gerard Butler. Oh. The the famous famous French he's, actor. Um, he's Welsh. <laughs> he's Scottish. You fucking idiots. <laughs> um, I watched. I watched a film called Plane. Oh, the new Gerard Butler film. The Is new it, um, Gerard Butler action film starring Mike Coulter oh, yes. alongside yeah, Gerard Luke, Butler. Yeah, Luke Cage's in it. Luke Cage is in it. Guess who else is in it? Tony yeah. Goldwyn's in it. Who? <laughs> Tony Goldwyn from Ghost, the bad guy from Ghost. Oh, the one who gets um, the bl- ripped glass. apart by monsters. Yeah, get the glass dropped on him. Yeah, yeah, and then his ghost gets ripped apart. This guy gets stuck between the two trucks. That's the uh, the guy with the weird face. Yeah, why was a bunch of guys trying to kill? Because he had secrets. Because she had secrets. Oh, from Patrick Swayze's ghost. Oh, and Whoopi Goldberg's ghost. Oh. she knew where Ted Danson kept his black face paint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, anyway, that's a joke about Tony Danson doing blackface. Um, he was dating Whoopi Goldberg at Tony the time. Danza. Which, Tony Danson. Ted Danson. Ted Danson. <laughs> Tony Danson. Let's <laughs> combine the two of them. Um, <coughs> sorry, I'm dying. Um, plane is a movie starring Jared Butler as a pilot. You wouldn't believe it. He plays a pilot. He gets to be Scottish in this film, which is great. Oh, good I love I love it when we get a Scottish Gerard Butler. Um, it is the story of a man who is trying to get home on New Year's Eve to see his daughter, but sadly his plane is struck by lightning as they're travelling over a area that is controlled by a militant organisation. It's completely lawless. It's just run by militants. Yeah. And uh, they go there to go and kidnap... So Detroit. <laughs> Topical. Like the ointment you use for your That's shitty mouth robot. and your shitty jokes. Wow. I'm sorry. Plane. So they, they go down in this area where there's like militant people running a militant tea. Like a military, but militants. Yeah. Militant occupancy. Um, and those people uh, go and kidnap all the passengers, but Jared Butler and Mike Coulter are looking for a phone when this happens. Jared Butler, Jerry Butts, finds a phone, calls out. He's like, daughter, I'm here. Come save us. And the daughter's like, I will come save you, father. And then there's a wanna. He has like a little wanna with this dude. Like a little one-shot action scene that follows them around the room. Yeah. There's one really obvious cut, uh, but that is the only cut I could see in the in the in the little thing. But it's like a nice. It's not an unrealistic one. It's very much like two guys just like he he's not throwing loads of punches. He is just grappling, keeping this guy as tight as possible. And then he eventually gets him in like a little choke, and then just just holds on until the guy's like, and then he's sleeping probably with brain damage. <laughs> But uh, it's a nice little action scene. There's the cut is there's a moment where the camera follows the guy's fist, and there's like a flash as it hits Gerard Butler, and it's meant to be like Gerard Butler, like you know, having like the shit kicked out of him for a second, and like his brain 
like shutting down, turning on again. You know, like where you, get hit, you close your eyes, like he's closing his eyes during the fight, yeah. and it's just like a, a millisecond, but it was very noticeable when I was watching it. Uh, but yeah, like it's a, it's actually a really decent film. Like it's not amazing. It's not like the best Jerry Butts film. That's still like how much of the plane is in it? Uh, it's like the first third. So, the so first it's act. worth naming the whole film yeah, after plane. the plane. Plane. Yeah. Plane. Is there money on the plane? No, it's not a money plane. No. Oh. There are people that have money on the plane. Yeah. But it's just called plane. Unless you know Gerald Butler has no soul, so. He has no soul? Yes, it's not a soul plane. <laughs> <laughs> he might just be plane crazy. Mm. Um, anyway. It's uh, it's it's all right. It's entertaining. It's actually a nice little action film. There's some good action sequences in it. Um, there's a couple of like, oh, is this someone else? You know, is this like secretly something else happening? And like, no, it is all just like pretty much just they've been kidnapped. That's what's happening. And these people that have kidnapped them, um, they are they like the the team that the... you don't want to overcomplicate the story too much. No, no, this no. is the same audience as Bruce Willis films. It, well, no, this is this is slightly better audience than that. I think is it because if this was if this was watched by someone who just watches Bruce Willis films, they'd be like, where's where's the fifty eight year old man winning every fight? Who's this black fella? Because <laughs> Mike Coulter has all the action scenes. Yeah, because he's Cause healthy. He's Mike Coulter. Um, He's healthy. He looks like he eats a horse a day. He's massive. He's like fucking... Yeah. He's all protein. He's in decent shape. Muscle. He's not 80 years old. That's true. Jared but, Butler's Jared's older 54, than 54, 53. Yeah. Yeah. Old fuck. He looks all right in this. He's keeping it up. He but... used to bang Lindsay Lohan. Did he? Yeah. What? That was a whole rumour for... I don't know if anyone knows for sure. I that thought was that was Colin Farrell. No, I mean, it's Lindsay Lohan. Um, I think... Quite a few people. Yeah, probably. Um, but anyway, so yeah, really a nice little, like, it's not quite a geezer teaser. It has, like, some competent action and it's, like, got some good dialogue in it. There are some terrible bits of dialogue in there, but for the most part, it's, like, it's way better than you'd expect it to be. Is there a bit where he's like, I've got to get you off my plane? Just so he says the name of the film. No. No, no point does he say, I've got to get you off a plane. You say this film's, like, unremarkable. Uh, yeah, I'd say it's pretty unremarkable. So you say it's pretty plain. Way yeah. bringing it back. Um, it's it's like a Matthew Modine. It's like it's like right down the middle. Like. Matthew Modine slander going on these days. With you these name days. a film that Matthew Modine is excellent in. I can't remember films of Matthew Modine. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was even um, Birdie with Nicolas Cage. Yeah, I didn't see that. Do you not? What's the war one? On? What's the war one in the eighties? Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah, who was the person who was better in that that stole the show and is only in the first the 30 sergeant. minutes of the film? Yeah, the sergeant. Ari, Ari, Ari. Vincent Dionfrey. Yeah, <laughs> again, all in the first 30 minutes of that <laughs> film. Joker, played by Matthew Modine, is in the rest of the film. Willem Dafoe in... No, that's Platoon. Platoon? Yeah. Splatoon? Not Splatoon. Oh. Platoon. Yeah, Platoon's William Dafoe, Michael Sheen, um, Tony Todd. Oh, Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen, sorry, mm. yeah. Tony Todd. Martin Sheen's in um, Heart of Darkness. What was the film? Hot Shots Part 2. Yeah. Um, Along with Charlie Sheen. Yeah. Loved him in Wall Street. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's a Matthew Modine. Like, playing is it's decent enough. It doesn't excel at anything other than just being a competently I watched film. some clips from Hot Shots Part 2 a little while ago, and it's still really fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, it's just a shame that Charlie Sheen's in it. Oh. No. He's a fucking sex Aww. offender. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> Not like the worst one. Yeah. No, he's a fucking sex offender. I mean, he was a sex offender back then too. Yeah, but that's true. Also, uh, Hot Shots Part One and Part Deux are, are great. Mm-hmm. So, 
Do you ever watch? I, I used to like Emilio Estevez films when I was a kid, though. I was big into them, like Men at Work and um, Men at Work's really good. Yeah, and Mighty Ducks. Isn't like isn't he in the, Men in White? The, Three and a half minutes. He's, he's in, in Mission Impossible. He's in Repo Men, isn't he? Yeah, Repo Men. Uh, yeah, but is not he in Repo Men- Man? No, is he in Men in White? I don't know. Because that was the parody film of Men in Black that was out. Oh, that sounds terrible. Nineteen ninety-eight. Is he in it? Loaded Weapon One, <clears throat> which Loaded Weapon One is great. That bit with Sean, where Samuel Jackson's, you know, his wife's talking about calling their mother and getting her to come visit for dinner. And he's like, darling, we've been over this. Your mother died. She's like, what? Like six months ago, your mum died. Didn't didn't I tell you about that? <laughs> just like forgot to tell her his mum died. Fucking great. What are you looking at now? I was just quickly looking at the cast of Men in White. It's a lot better than I remember it being. No. Tom Wilson, Kareem Prince, M. Emmett Wolf. Are you sure? Brian it's James. a lot better than you think. <laughs> ben Stein, George Kennedy. George Kennedy? Yeah. Not even Jamie Kennedy. No, George Kennedy, his dad. Oh, God. Barry Boswick. <laughs> yeah, much better cast than Men in Black. Starring Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. And Jennifer Coolidge. And um, I like Jennifer Coolidge, she's alright. <laughs> Melissa Rivers, Joe Rivers' daughter. Who <laughs> oh, no. was the guy in Men in Black who um, got replaced in the third one? It wasn't Rip Torn, was it? it yeah, Rip Torn was replaced was by Torn? Emma Stone, Emma Watson. No, no, uh, Emma. It was Emma Stone, Emma Watson, it was Emma Thompson. Yeah, there you go. Was it Rip Torn? Yeah, it was Rip Torn because he exposed. He got drunk and he was breaking into people's. It was the really camp one. Rip Torn. I thought Rip Torn was the guy from the end of Jackass films. No, that's Rip Taylor. Oh yeah, yeah, Rip Torn. Then Rip Torn died in 2019 as well. So be careful. Did he? <laughs> yeah, I didn't oh. realize either. Was that when Men in Black International came out? Yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah, I said I watched that film. It's not bad. Well, it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> I took a guess from the trailer that Liam Neeson's bad in it. He's bad. He's in the it, bad yeah. guy. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Men in uh, Black 3 is really good. And I'll fight anyone who says otherwise. On, uh, where's the... Rip Taylor died. No, he didn't. He can't still be alive. Rip Taylor's still alive. Like, can't believe it. One sec. Rip Taylor. Was he in Jackass Forever? I think they got him back. Oh, no, he did die. Yeah. Also 2019. Ah. <laughs> Suspicious. I mean, to be honest, I've never seen them both in the same place at the same time. So. <laughs> Ripped, on, was it the same Ripped... day? No, it wasn't the same day. Oh. It was the 9th of July 2019 for Rip Torn, but, and it was the 9th of October 2019 for Rip Taylor. But I've, I kind of imagine them as like, you remember those teddy bears where you turn them inside out and they turned into a monster? Yeah. Yeah, I remember Rip Torn, Rip Taylor and Rip Torn, like you just turn them inside out. He's transformed again. How can you tell? Yeah, that Rip like Taylor's a turned a, bomb? a few guys inside out before now. Yeah, Rip Taylor. Eh? <laughs> yeah. What else was he? Oh, he was in uh, Wayne's World. Wayne's World Two. You know they're putting on. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He just turns the... up. No, Rip Torn's in. Rip Wayne's Taylor World. is in Wayne's World Two. Yeah, Rip Torn's in one Wayne's World. No, he's sure not. He's... You're thinking of that's Bill Murray's brother. Oh. Brian it's... Doyle Murray. <laughs> Who's the guy who runs the arcade? No, yeah, it's arcade. Brian Doyle Murray. Where he's like, come to the it's, place it's, where it's games cool. are played. No, it's, it's hip, it's, it's cool. cool. It's Noah's, Noah's arcade. arcade. I wrapped him one of my trailers. <laughs> yeah. Is anyway. Brian Doyle Murray dead? No, he's still alive. 77 years old. No, the the one he was in, God Bless America. That's the Murray's brother, isn't it? Uh, no. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. is he? Yeah, it's Bill Murray's brother. Which one is it? In God oh, Bless America. It? 
They've got a lot of siblings. John Murray, maybe? Well, Bill Murray needs him to organs when he needs a new yeah. kidney. Anyway, you done? Yeah, I'm fucking done. Right, Star Trek Voyager season two. Oh, God, here we go. Fucking fuck, fuck, fuck up with your fucking ass. <laughs> so, season one of Voyager ends kind of abruptly with just like a regular episode, right? Because yeah. they, like, I think something happened, right, a strike or some shit, so they cut it early. Um, Here's Joel Murray. And season two, like, starts off with a bunch of episodes that were clearly meant to be at the end of season one. And then it kind of, like, you feel like, oh, maybe Voyager's not going to be so great and stuff. But then Voyager gets pretty good. In fact, this series, series two of Voyager, has probably its first great episode. You know, the first episode that's like, that's the one we should talk about in the future. You know, like Measure of a Man from TNG. Or... um pretty much any episode from season three to six of TNG. But um, it has like some fantastic episodes. It has a lot more of the Doctor learning how to be a person in this series. I'm trying to remember which episodes are in season three, though, because I started watching season three, and now I'm not sure which which episodes were in season two and which ones are in season three. Um, ends on a cliffhanger. Ooh. But um, the really good thing in season two of Voyager is the episode um, called Parallels. I think it's called Parallels, where Voyager enters a cloud. A parallelogram? Of, of a nebula, right, to oh, avoid right. the Vidians. The Vidians are a race who, they've got this disease that's eroding and raising them, you know, killing them, and they kidnap other people and steal their organs to graft into their own to replace their dying organs. Sweet. Pretty horrific. All they're, they're all falling apart and shit. Um, so they go into this cloud to try and avoid them. Yeah. Um, and in the process of trying to exit this cloud, something happens and it causes a second ship to exist in the same place at the same time, mm-hmm. like out of phase of it. Yeah. And everything this second ship is doing to deal with the now occurrence of the two ships existing in the same place, they were both having the same plan. One of them got there just in front of the other one, is damaging the other ship, the A ship, the original Voyager ship, and it's being decimated. And in the process, there's like one of the crew men has been has been built not to having a baby through the series. She was pregnant in the first series, and it's it's like a twelve month pregnancy or something, as far as I can make out. But her baby gets born, and then all this shit starts going off, and the ships fall into pieces. In the first like twenty minutes of the episode, you don't even know there's a second ship. You just know this ship, the Voyager ship, is being destroyed by some crazy stuff. And her baby dies because all these people are being brought into the medic bay and there's only two people in the medic bay who can do any medicine. Um, And her baby dies. Harry Kim gets flushed out into space. And you're like, shit. Shit is going down. Bad stuff's happening. Crewmen are getting burned and, like, things are falling apart. And it's the first time in the series where the Voyager Voyager ships, like, hit the reality that they're going to get fucked up. And they're miles away from a starbase. I say miles. That's an understatement. They're like light years away from a star base. How long is a light year versus a mile? Like well, a light year is of... how long it takes for a beam of light to travel a year. For how far a photon of light travels in a year, right? Yeah. And they're 70,000 light years away from Earth. So if they were to travel at the speed of light, it would take them 70,000 years to get home. Luckily, they can go a lot faster than the speed of light, warp 9 point whatever. At top speed, they could get back in about 70 years. But so if they travel through wormholes, it'll be quicker. If they find one, but the wormholes aren't exactly common, especially stable ones. Ah, I see. That's why the one in Deep Space Nine is important, because it's the only stable wormhole anyone knows about. But, um, yeah. So, all the shit's going down. Baby dies. Kim dies. And there's this whole plot where they start finding out a way to communicate with the other ship. 
They find a way to match their communicators through the phase barrier and all this sort of stuff, magic stuff. Um, and they make up this plan where they're going to blow up the A-ship, the Voyager we've been following for the whole series, to save the other one, which is fine, because it's not being blown up. And in the process, they're, they're going, right, let's give it a few minutes, though. Let's give it 10 minutes, just in case we can come up with another way out of this. And they in that in time, the Vidians find the good ship, the A-class Voyager ship, because it's giving off energy readings, because it's not falling apart. And they invade it and start killing everyone on board. And the A Voyager B Voyager ship's like, well, fuck this. We're going to blow ourselves up. So their plan is to blow themselves up to save the A ship, which is fucked up. But in the process, they solve the day by sending Harry Kim through. Because there's no reason to blow up Harry Kim and the little baby. Because <laughs> the little baby survived on their ship. Oh, of course, yeah. Because shit wasn't going down. It wasn't running out of energy. The, you know, there wasn't energy fluctuations all over the ship causing the incubator to mess up. So the baby survived on there. So they sent Harry Kim through to the other dimension, the, uh, the original ship, which means that in Star Trek Voyager from this point onwards, the Harry Kim that we're following isn't the one that we started with. It's a duplicate of Harry Kim. It's never mentioned again. But that's quite a great episode where you got two Janeways coming up against each other. Like, they're not butting heads. They know what the practicalities are of their plan. They know that no matter what, there's a good chance one of their crew is going to, they're going to have to blow up one of the ships to get out of this because everything one does affects the other one and they need to find a way to stop them being in phase with each other because what will happen eventually is they will implode in on themselves because they're they're like phasing collapsing on self gravity and all that sort of shit do they know like it's a 50-50 chance one or the other's going to die they pretty much take it that the only way out of it is to blow one up okay right from the start but the plan was to blow up the shitty fucked up ship because people have already died on it and it's, it's torn to pieces but the other one gets boarded by the Vidians and their future is having their organs harvested. So blow up the B ship, even though it's nicer. They can repair the A ship. It's fine. Yeah. But it's a really dark episode. Wait, so do they just transfer over into the reality where Janeway exists? No, they both exist at the same time. Yeah. It's like two dimensions that are... They're just very close to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Phased on top of each other. So they could essentially just warp over to the other... They find a way to get through. There's like a part where the two two of them merge together. Oh right, because Kess accidentally wanders through and it knocks her out when she walks through it. Yeah, because um, they're obviously like they are shifting realities shifting and shit, yeah. and they're all collapsing on itself. And the warp core is the key of it. It's holding it together. So the only way to do things is explode the warp core. One and they got to do something. Got to do something crazy. They explode the warp core. They mother say blow star starship. You yeah. You overload the warp core. Yeah. Um, make it blow up. It's a really good episode, and there's um, there's a whole bunch of great ones. You delve into a bit of the history of the Talaxian War and what happened, and they tried to broker peace between to try and help out the um, whatever they're called, the bad guys with the orange faces and the foam hair. Um, can't remember cool. The whole finale involves them, but um, they had tried to broker peace with a race that they used to be forced to live under, like they were slaves under this other race. And this other race is like, oh, well, you know, we've been, you know, we've had, we've been very humbled. We've had our lives destroyed over the last few centuries, decades or whatever. And he's like, we're going to, we want to make peace and want to help bring, use our technology to help bring things together. It turns out they're a bunch of liars that are going to blow them up. Bunch of twats. And Janeway helps, you know, stop that, I guess. It's quite a nice episode. It's a fun yeah. one. Um, <clears throat> what was the name? Kazon. The Kazon. They're the main bad guys in the first two series. Oh, like Donald Faison. Yeah, yeah, he's one of the Kazon. Um, Turk from Scrubs. I and it all... Was bad. 
One thing it does in that ser- the series finale as well, because the finale is quite cool. They it builds up to the Kazon taking over the Voyager and dumping the Voyager crew on some prehistoric like planet that's all like volcanic and shit, and there's Neanderthals living on there and stuff, and they just drop them off there. So the episode, the series ends with them landing Voyager on this planet, kicking the crew out, and then flying off and leaving them stuck there. Um, it's quite a good sort of like a nice cliffhanger for the end of the series. Like, how the fuck are they going to get out of this? They're trapped on a planet and Voyager's fucked off in space. How did they get out of it? Um, well, Tom Paris. Oh, okay, yeah. Good old Lizard Tom Paris. Boy himself. Well, the episode's in this series. But Tom <laughs> Paris flies off to get help from the Talaxians. There's yeah. a little bit of a treaty. They get help from Talaxians. That's Neelix's race. Oh, right, yeah. Um, and the Kazon think they blew up the sh- his ship. Yeah. Because they're not they're not the best at paying attention to things. There's this running thing with the Kazon. They don't listen to women in the slightest. And Seska, who was on the Voyager crew, turned out to be a spy for the Cardassians that had been dragged into the Voyager thing because of the whole getting transported to the other end of the galaxy. Didn't really want to have any of it. Mm. So she's turned on them and stuff. And her intention is to steal back Voyager and make a new life for herself and all that. Um, but um, yeah, they don't listen to her much. But they probably should. Because she's like, did you check to make sure the ship was actually blown up and that there's debris and stuff? He's like, no, what the fuck are you on about, man? I fired missiles and shit. Like, explosions went off and all that. It's definitely dead. Yeah, chill. Wasn't dead. He went off and got Talaxians. That's like a mummy moment. Yeah, and they come back and help. They take over the ship. Then Seska dies at the end of the series. Poor Seska. And the Kazon guy takes her baby because she was pregnant as well. Oh, no. She impregnated herself with Chakotay's... DNA. She thinks they're taking the baby to harvest it. Um, no, they're not the ones who harvest them. The Kazon are like just you know sort of sand people, I guess is the best way to describe them. Space sand people. Oh, nice. They like to live in deserts and stuff. Who doesn't? But um, he takes the baby, and you think that would be a plot device for later, but I don't think it's ever mentioned again. The baby. Um, yeah, yeah, it's gone from the show. Probably becomes a lizard. There's a. There's a half Cardassian baby out in the Delta Quadrant that's never going to get mentioned ever again. Why does it need to be? No. Maybe they'll bring it up in Discovery. Probably. I don't know if they've got that far into space. No, it's Picard season three. Yeah, yeah. They're just, oh yeah, we can travel to the Delta Quadrant freely now. Yeah. Like seven, like ten years after Voyager yeah. got home. We fixed it. Yeah, yeah. We can travel really Wait, far. Wait, Voyager gets home in the end? Yeah, spoilers oh. for the end of Voyager. They get home. Oh. Didn't take them 70 years. Um, but the episode where Tom Paris turns into a lizard in this way, Salamander. And then so does Fresh Janeway. On. It's a really good episode. So does Janeway. They have babies. Yeah, Tom Paris kidnaps Janeway. No, no. He does. No. Let's explain the episode properly. You haven't seen it. They find a way to travel warp 10. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's technically existed everywhere in the galaxy yeah. and universe at once. Yeah. But this causes Tom Paris to evolve faster. Devolve. No, evolve. Doesn't Is it evolve. Evil? Yeah, he evolves faster. Oh, okay. And then he forces Janeway to take the trip as well. Yeah, because he needs to go through the trip again. Yeah. To sort of, well, he's craving something. It's weird, evolutionary shit, man. Yeah. But he takes Janeway with him because he needs her to understand something. He goes a bit crazy, yeah. you know. He's becoming a lizard. He doesn't know what's going he on. Stops breathing oxygen, yeah, and all this sort of stuff. And they but take him to. A it's planet. only the last five minutes. They take him to a planet where he can go and be happy. And him and Janeway have a bunch of babies. Yeah, and the babies go fuck this joint and just run off all over the planet. Well, they go into a lake, into a lake, and then and then Janeway and, and Tom Paris turn back, and they're like, "What about those space babies?" They never. They don't mention. Just, just, <laughs> A race of hyper intelligent. But they had they had this idea. They had the plan that what they could do was take 
Tom Paris's original human DNA, which is doing the pattern buffer, yeah, and everyone's DNA is at some place, yeah, and reconstitute it by just passing him through the transport to rebuild him to his original base form, yeah, pre warp ten flight. Did I have nine thousand babies? <laughs> yeah, the only thing I think they should have done from that episode is from then on, Janeway, because it's de- she's definitely a sorceress. She should have like found ways to say, as a mother, in her <laughs> sentences. <laughs> Like when she wants to talk, connect with someone. Pa- Tom Paris, you wouldn't understand because you are the father. But as a mother, <laughs> she should have like made him pay like freaking child freaking support. <laughs> child support for nine thousand babies. <laughs> for the babies that are no, on there. Nine thousand Salaman. They're not nine thousand. It's like literally like three. No, there's more than three. It's like twelve. You haven't watched the episode. I have. It? There's a couple of eggs. No, there's more than a couple, this right? Is, you haven't watched the episode. This is the kind of bullshit that Star Trek apologists... You've read the cracked article about the episode. I've watched many videos on YouTube. you watched what culture videos or some shit. <laughs> it's literally the last 30 seconds of the episode. The episode's really good. <laughs> yeah, the episode sounds really good. It is good. It's got Tom Paris, like, having an existential crisis and He's shit. He's become a lizard man. Yeah. Oh, I'm a lizard man. Not just lizard man. He's all sorts of shits. Why does he do it? Like everyone tells what? him, Tom Paris, don't go at warp ten. No, they do. It's a part of their plan. Is it? Yeah, because if it can exist everywhere in the galaxy at once, and they can choose where they exit, yeah, and they can adapt it for Voyager, yeah, they can get home in a second. Do they fix it? No, there's uh, <laughs> it's probably not worth it because it yeah, turns you into a salamander, <laughs> and Lord knows what Tuvok will turn into. <laughs> Because there's also there's an episode of Next Generation where shit goes wrong and loads of people start de-evolving, and it turns out Klingons used to be like predators, like the Predator. It's amazing. It happens a lot in Star Trek. You just got to get used to. I it. would just, I'd be like, let's see what every other race looks like if we evolve it. We can fix it. The thing is, with the size of the galaxy, you'd think they'd met a race that's done that before and gone, yeah, it's a really bad idea. <laughs> They're still fucking salamander people. There's just an episode of Voyager that's actually just Torok Dinosaur Hunter. Hey, season two's quite good. It's all yeah. right. It's got some fun episodes. It's got a Salamander. It's Salamander episode. I'm on I'm on season three now. I'm up to the first two part of Future's End, which has got Sarah Silverman in it. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. also got Ed Begley Jr. in it. Oh yeah. Ed Begley Jr. Yeah, he's good. Everyone likes him. I like uh The Simpsons joke that he he actually is in on where he goes. I've got my car. It's not run by fossil fuels or water. It's run by a sense of my own self-satisfaction. He puts the hat on. <laughs> it flies off. There's a great episode in season two as well. Yeah. Where they find this planet that's been post-apocalyptic nuclear-type war-type thing. Cool, yeah. And they find some life on there, but they're all in status. Oh. And they've all got, like... Because they're in a status pod, and they knew they are going to be in there for years. They've, like, rigged it up to create a virtual world for them to live in. Oh, cool. But the thing is... Some of them have died in the status pod. Like, they got scared to death. Like, they had a heart attack. But they're still alive alive. Some of them are alive. The others are dead. There's, like, rotten corpses in the pods. Oh, they right. Cool. Died. So if you die in the game, you die for real. Yeah. <gasps> but it's not really a game. Frankie Muniz. It's, like, meant to be just a nice environment. But this is a great episode. Michael McKean's in it. Yeah. Fucking legend. Yeah, I love him. From Break Better Call Saul and Spinal Tap. He's in Better Call Saul. He's from Spinal Tap. Yeah, but he's in Better Call Saul. No, he's not. But in this, he plays a clown. Oh, and it's, it's like a whole circus is the world that started happening it wasn't always like that apparently it just started turning into this and the clown won't let them wake up they're supposed to have woken up years ago but the clown won't let them wake up because if they wake up his reality ceases to exist and he won't he won't exist anymore so these pods have Wi-Fi is what you're saying so they're stuck because they the reality only exists because of their brains 
it's created by their brains as well. It's an adaptive learning AI tool. Also, it's powered by their minds. Yeah, and it's a really great episode because, like, Belana Torres and Harry Kim get stuck in there. The plan was to send them in to wake the guys up. To be like, hey, you should have woke up by now because your planet's fine. No, look, I love the circus. But they can't leave. They got He's got, like, a guillotine. Um, but the way the episode ends is so fucking good because they've been using the Doctor as, like, a negotiator because he's holographic. He doesn't have brainwaves. The clown can't read his brainwaves and trap him in there. Um, and he goes, I'll tell you what we'll do. We've got this thing. I'll let you talk to Janeway. Janeway's like, if you let my crew go, because the AI's become a bit obsessed with Janeway because she's, like, powerful and the leader. If you let my crew go, I'll get in there and I'll let you, you know, keep me. And it'll stay open and I'll be in there. And what she does is she sends in a holographic representation of herself. She's tied to the machine still, mm-hmm. but they're using a holographic representation of herself. So he starts picking up her brainwaves and he's like, oh shit, here she comes. Got me some Janeway. I'm getting everyone go. And then Janeway's like, fuck you, I'm a hologram. Nah, mate. And then, and he's like, what? No, no. And she's just like, so it just like, scares the shit out of him and everything starts going dark and Michael McKean starts like disappearing into the <laughs> shadows as he dies. And it's like, this brilliant episode that ends in a really dark way and Janeway's fucking terrifying in the, at the end. Great episode. Two Vixers in this series as well. That's another great episode, which people always talk about, moaning, but it's the one where two Vok and Neelix get fused together and they create a new entity, a new life form called Two Vix. And what's smart with this episode is it isn't one where they just like resolve it in a day. It's not like they go, well, we found a way to separate Two Vok and Neelix so they can be back to normal again. It like is set over the course of like a month or so, or six weeks or something. Yeah, and just enough time for Tuvix to gain an identity of his own because his memories are a mixture of both of theirs, his personality is a mixture of both of the people, and so he's like part of the crew, and people have got used to him and they've become friends with him, and he's found a place in the crew just long enough for them to figure out how to fix it. And it's like, well, do we kill him? Because if we separate him and bring back Tuvok and Neelix, like Tuvix dies. And it's like, it's not a small quandary. Do we kill one person to bring back two people that we had on board? You know, there's people on the board who have been mourning the death of their friends, of Tuvok and Neelix. Mm-hmm. And Tuvix is like, I kind of don't want to die now. Don't I get a say in this? It's like, you do get a say, but also two of our crew are dead and you're not supposed to exist. And it sort of builds up to this whole bit where they figure out how they're going to unfuse him and Tuvix isn't too happy about it, but he doesn't resist for long. He tries to resist him, but he knows he shouldn't because there's a logical part in his brain where it's like it's kind of rude of him to take the lives of two people just so he can live. It's a bit rude. It's a bit rude. Is it? Well, Tuvok's got family back home. He's got a wife and kids. And if he gets back home, he's not Tuvok. They're not going to have their husband and their father anymore. And there's Kess on board who's in a relationship with Neelix and Neelix is dead. Now she's being forced to mourn her partner while this guy's walking around who's got all of Neelix's memories and says he's in love with her but she doesn't know him he's some new guy and it's like we could really do with our science officer back he's kind of good at his job well security officer Tuvok is anyway but yeah um, so Janeway has to do it because the doctor can't the doctor can't break his Hippocratic oath because it'll be killing him Mm. and the way the episode ends she like you know she does it's all very clinical she's like, like she gets the thing Injects him. They do the transport thing to separate their DNA strands so they can rebuild Tuvok and Neelix together. And then it just sort of, she just turns around, walks out the room. And the last shot is her walking through the corridor and she stops for a second because she's like emotionally fucking wrecked from what she just did. 
And she just like has a deep breath and goes <clears throat> back to work. <laughs> it's like, and it's a fucking great episode. Because it's like properly the whole episode is like they don't make him irritating. He's a bit irritating. Um, but they don't like make him a character you're going to hate. They make it feel like he could be part of the crew. And then they kill him. <laughs> and it's like, because you kind of have to. Because <laughs> he's not meant to exist. And Tulox and Neelix's knife, life has been taken away because of some accident that could have been prevented. And all that. Dark episode. Dark. But that's Dark one thing. Because Voyager's weird. And it still manages to put in these really good dark ideas these really complex moral ideas yeah um you know and you know even you get a great episode of a clown man played by michael mckean this is fantastic should have yeah, had him on star trek more only episode he ever did salamander episode man. anyway star trek voyager season two it's hitting its stride it's feeling a lot better yeah now it's jogging along yeah more mm-hmm. salamander sex please and season three's gonna have some good stuff wait for season three how many good. salamander episodes no salamander fuck's sake Zero stars. Would do again. Um, is that the end of your Star Trek? Yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? I'm going to review a video game. Have you played a video game before, Ant? No, I never have. Well, that's good, because I'm going to tell you about a video game. Is this your last review? Yeah. Thank God. I played the Dead Space remake. Oh, I was going to talk about Hi-Fi Rush, but I haven't played enough of it yet. I forgot about that. Great. Uh, I played the Dead Space remake, Ant. Yeah. Not only do I play the Dead Space remake, I've completed it. Oh, look at you. You're Not once, pro. but twice. Oh. And I am thrice on a journey through the Ishimura. USG Ishimura. Um, for those who don't know, Dead Space, survival horror game. Survival horror game came out after Resident Evil 4, just before Resident Evil 5. Came out a long time after Resident Evil 4. Yeah, came out a long time after Resident Evil 4, <laughs> just before Resident Evil 5. And it was uh, it was very much based on that Resident Evil 4 control. It came out person. after Resident Evil 4. What? Dead Space is like 2009. Yeah, and then Resident, Resident Evil 5 4 is like is... 2007. No, Resident Evil 5. Yeah, Resident Evil 5 is like 2007, 2005. It's, like, it's really early on the Xbox what, Resident 360. Resident Evil 5? Yeah, because it wasn't no. that long after Resident Evil 4. Resident Evil 4 is like 2004. Can't be true. There's not five years between Resident Evil Four and Five. Be Before true. Resident Evil Six, two thousand nine. Jesus. Hmm. Anyway, Dead Space is very much a game based on the uh, the direction Resident Evil took. It's third part, third person survival horror on a on a derelict spaceship, the USG Ishimura. Um, you arrive there after it's had a distress signal sent out that's saying that it can't operate. And you've turned up to try and see what you can do. And you play as um, Isaac Clark, an engineer. Oh. Now, Isaac has specifically chosen to go on this journey because his his lover is on there. Nicole is on the ship. Oh. And so he's going to go there and he's going to try and see Nicole. And he's also going to try and find out what happened to the Ishimura for it to send out a distress signal. Good. No, it is good. not good. No. It turns out that they found an alien artifact called a marker. And that marker has an overwhelming presence. Oh, so this is set in a reality where no one's watched Event Horizon. Essentially, yes. Yeah. Uh, But basically, the marker affects the minds of those that interact with it, and it also has an effect on dead tissue, causes it to reconstitute itself into new organisms. Um, And you, as Isaac Clarke, are forced to use a bunch of of mining tools to fight back against these monsters. And the only recourse you have to fight them is to chop off their motherfucking limbs and then use them 
against them because you get something called kinesis where you can pick shit up and throw it at stuff. It's great. Just shoot them. It's fucking great, and All right. Um, so, <clears throat> Resident Evil... Is that, sorry, Dead Space, the remake, um, is great. It's a very, very good remake. It's a ground-up remake. It's all been redone entirely. They've taken a lot of the stuff they learned from Dead Space 2 and a little bit that they've learned from Dead Space 3. Um, luckily, not much from Dead Space 3. And chucked it all into this remake. So, a lot of the controls come from Dead Space 2. A lot mm. of the a lot of the feeling of Isaac being this this heavier character comes from Dead Space Two because in the first Dead Space it, you feel a bit lighter you feel a bit more vulnerable whereas in Dead Space Two you become a real shit kicker and you can like beat the fuck out of a load of people like Dead Space Two very much turned Isaac Clark into uh, it took him from I'm scared and I am adapting to the situation as best as I can and then in Dead Space Two you're like I'm fucking crazy I could die any minute. I'm going to kill as many of these sons of bitches as I can. That was like, it was, it was Brendan Fraser in The Mummy. That's who he became in the second, second game. Because you know, Brendan Fraser in The Mummy just feels like a guy who's accepted the fact he could die at any minute and he's just going, going along with it. He's going to do whatever he can. Well, John Hanna's character in those No, John Hanna, no, because John Hanna was a coward. He's crazy. Yeah, and then he runs around doing crazy shit. No, but like, the action hero is Brendan Fraser and Brendan Fraser is constantly trying to fight an immortal being with shotguns. Even though everyone is telling him, guns don't work, he's like, ah, I got this. I got this. Rappers work. Let's get in a plane. Um, it was, uh, yeah, Dead Space the remake, so it takes some of those elements from Dead Space 2, which does change the feeling of it. You feel like that more accomplished character straight away in this, which is strange. Um, especially after I've only recently played the other games, coming into this and like feeling like Dead Space 2 Isaac and Dead Space 1 feels a bit misplaced. But it works. Still works. Still a fantastic game. Still really fun to play. The story is expanded a little bit. Stuff is made a little bit clearer. Isaac talks in this game. He didn't talk in the original oh, Dead Space fuck one. Fuck that. Um, so he talks in this one, and his character's designed after Gunnar Hansen, which is the guy who plays him. It's Gunnar Hansen. Gunnar Hansen. Gunnar Hansen, I think, is his name. Yeah, I know they just used his face. Yeah. Whereas before he was just the voice, and it was like. Uh, no, not Gunnar Hansen. That's a different actor. Gunner yeah, that doesn't sound right. Dead Space. Gunnar Wright, sorry. Can't believe you don't know who Gunnar Wright is. Yeah, sorry, it's Gunnar Wright. Yeah, so they just used Gunnar Wright's face in this game rather than using the face from Dead Space 2. But yeah, it's it's just a great fucking game. It is it is for, for a survival horror game until you get to your new game plus and you've got the fully upgraded plasma cutter, which is the iconic weapon from this game. So the plasma cutter is meant to be like a, a cutting tool where it's like a it's it's meant to be like a sword basically, but you see him adapt it so that it just launches plasma bolts out of the fucking end of it. Um and it reminded me so much of being a kid. And you know when you you know nail guns in the UK? Are you gonna say you should fire this at animals or no, some shit? No, you know like in the UK nail guns have a safety guard on them? Yeah. So that you have to push them against something and then you can pull the trigger. Yeah. But if you take some cable ties you can you lock the safety card back and kind of shoot nails out of it. Which is what you used to do at school all the time, was it? No, no, it's just something that I used to do at my parents' house. <laughs> Did you never do this? And that's why your parents don't argue with you. So you know, like... you know, like, No, I didn't play with nail guns when I was a kid. Because <laughs> so, I'm not Kevin McAllister. You know hand saws? You know, like, they have a metal guard so that when you push them against stuff, the guard retracts a little bit. Hmm. If you take some cable ties... <laughs> 
You can just make it so you've got a fucking circular saw, like, and you can just, like, push it on stuff. No one's childhood was as chaotic as mine, I don't think. My parents left me alone a lot as well. I mean, to be honest, if I was your um, one of your parents, no, I, I, mean, I would yeah, leave no, you. Uh, no one to stick around. And then people would be he's like, got a fucking how, nail gun. People would be like, how's Matt doing? I'm saying, he's Matt. <laughs> he's got a fucking nail gun. So, I don't have a kid. What's on about <laughs> Or at least I won't do much longer. Yeah. He's, he's bound to kill himself. You're fucking crazy, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's it feels like a lot of the tools do feel like very much like someone just going, how can I kill something with this? I know how to work it. I need to do something. But yeah, the necromorphs are really interesting. They have like a new... A new mechanic within the necromorphs where, like, you, they have layers, so you can, like, like an onion, like an ogre. They have layers, so you can, like, shoot away at their, like, skin. You get all these layers, but the center is always in plain red. sight. It's just red. Well, it's just guts. To see. It's just guts. Oh. Um, but, like, basically, you can shoot away layers, and then, like, if there's, like, a weak spot, so some necromorphs, if you hit them in the arm, it won't completely eviscerate their arm. Yeah. And then use the use the kinesis module, and you can sometimes rip the arm off because it's just like dangling off by a bit of skin, which is pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, all in all, really fucking good game, really good game. I'm really enjoying. They're going to remake Dead Space Two. I hope so, but they can't touch the story of Dead Space Two because that's utter perfection. Have you played I think Dead they should Space just make 2? a completely different game. Have you made? Have you played Dead Space? Because the inevitable 2? conclusion is they remake Dead Space Three. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> well, that's not inevitable. That was a bad decision from the start. Does it put any stuff from the Dead Space prequel thing in it? The mobile game wasn't there a Wii game? Oh no, that was that. The Wii game was a side story from one of the films. Oh. So the Wii game fitted into well, the animated the film. film. Yeah, and then the comic tells the story of the Ishimura before you get there. So there's a comic done by Steve Niles, the writer of 30 Days a Night, that leads up to the Ishimura. And then you've got two animated films for Dead Space. Two? I think there's two. Fuck off. Yeah, I think there is two. Remember the Chronicles of Vidic animated film? Yeah, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Um, So And then you've got Dead Space Mobile. Someone reminded me that Vin Diesel's in the sequel to Ark, the Ark 2. Yeah, he's the main character. (laughs) What's that on? I have no idea. (laughs) Um, And then Dead Space Mobile takes place during Dead Space 2, or just before Dead Space 2, because you find find Bandit, which is the code name for the the agent in Dead Space Mobile. Dead Space Mobile is actually a really decent game. A lot of people didn't play it, but I had it on the Blackberry Playbook. I had a Blackberry playbook. Out. You had a Blackberry? Yeah, I had a Blackberry playbook. It was a tablet that had its own system software. It didn't didn't have Android. It didn't have iOS. It had its own Blackberry uh, Blackberry OS. And it was great. It was the best. It's actually awesome. <laughs> I loved it. No Blackberry. No. Um, twats of Blackberries. But yeah, all in all, Really good game. I really enjoyed it. I'm still enjoying it. I'm going to do another impossible run. I tried to play it for an impossible mode where you get one save and it's permadeath if you die. Oh. And I died because you I could went... could say that's the binding of Isaac. I died because I went to a shop. Mm. Went to a shop and came out of the shop. And there's a necromorph just waiting behind me for me to finish doing my shopping. It's <laughs> like, of him. Yeah! It's like, oh, fuck. Just because they're undead doesn't mean they're not yeah, uncivilized. They understand the importance of capitalism. Mm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Dead Space, Tom Atkins, I fucking love it. I, uh, this is the problem. Like, it's 
Callisto Protocol is so on the fence about, and I like. I enjoyed that game, but the problems that I had with it have sort of been fixed now. So the new game plus stuff is there. Didn't they have to make it so you can't get damaged when you vault over things? Yeah, there was some shit there. No, you couldn't get knocked out because it fucked you, basically. Because mm. it kept stun-locking people. But um, that's been fixed now, so I'm going to give that a go again once I've done my impossible run on Dead Space. And then uh, and then by that point, new game will be out. I don't know what. We've got Resident Evil 4 remake next month. I'm going to start a rumour right here, right now, that the Advance Wars remake is going to be surprise released on the Switch during this month. You reckon? Yeah. I think they're just going to drop it out of nowhere you on the anniversary watch? of Russia invading <laughs> Ukraine. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're coming up to that. And Advance Wars has been turning up on some systems for pre-order that recently. That would be amazing. <laughs> That'd be my favourite thing ever. Yeah. All right. Now. Well, and your review. Right, I watched a Japanese um, drama. Yeah, Super Sentai. Comedy drama. Super Sentai? It's not nothing to do with Super Sentai. Fuck off. Okay? It's about a woman yeah. who works in a business, That's middle a business company. Yeah. Right? The show's called Tokusatsu Ga Ga Ga. Oh, right. Right? And it's about a girl who's a massive fan of Tokusatsu. Yeah. Big nerd. But she doesn't let anyone know about it because, you know, an adult woman liking Tokusatsu. Mm, Gross. Yeah. Is she attractive? She's not going to get married. She's quite cute. Oh, that's not gross. Um, So anyway, the show's like... That sentence I said was gross just then after the not gross thing. So the show's about her sort of gradually coming out of her shell. She's got no friends that she can share her love of Tokusatsu with. And she kind of just wants to have friends. She wants someone she can share her nerdy shit with. What was um, the name? She has to hide it from her mum because her mum's like was some hated Tokusatsu and like cute things. Oh. She would dominate her life when she was a kid. If she found her playing with like monster toys, she'd like take him away she'd and make her play with a doll or something. That's not very um, nice. Stuff like that. But it's all about like you know not being well. The the moral of the show is it doesn't you know it shouldn't matter what age or gender you are. You should be able to like whatever you like. But it does matter about the um, agenda. <laughs> and the whole show's built around her meeting people, me. making friends. Yeah. She basically, there's like a bit early on in it where she sees someone on a train who's got a little keychain on her bag of yeah. the um, of one of the characters from Jusha One, which is the show she likes to watch. Oh. All the, and whenever you see a Tokusatsu show in it, it's all filmed by Toei. They, they got the guys who do Super Sentai and stuff to film. Oh, like a Dragon Issue. Like special stuff. And um, she sees a woman on the train who's got a little Toraja thing, and she's through the whole episode. There's all this stuff going on. There's someone who's clearly at the office who clearly fancies her, mm. um, and he, and, you know, he wants to be her friend, but she doesn't open up anything to him. Well, it's coming out on PS4. You know, I thought it was only coming out. On PS4. But um, yeah, so she like tr- is spending the whole episode first one trying to figure out how she can make friends with this woman on the train. She wants to bump into her again. Mm. And it's really cute. You know, it does stuff. Like, she she sets off to try and buy herself a little keychain of one of the characters and hang it on a bag because loads of people have keychains hanging off their bag. Oh, of course. They have those little trinket things. Yeah. Of cute characters and stuff. And she figures, if I get a couple of cute characters and just sneak in one of my tokusatsu heroes in there, it'll just be a cute character that's hanging off the bag. It's nothing... Not a big deal. Nothing sinister. Yeah. Um, but the way the show like builds up and how there's all these characters and she finds out about one of the women at the office who's like really strict and moody and often rude to people. Oh, is, what a bitch. Is secretly like a fan of one of those K- J-pop boy bands. Oh. But um, she's she's repressed it even more because she had an argument with her only friend she shared it with. 
thought you were going to say um, OnlyFans for a second. Then. And she like had an argument with her, and it caused her to like stop talking to her friend and recede further, mm. and to shut herself off even more to hide her fandom. And she becomes like their extra hero. But the show's Aww. the show's about the main character Kanako making friends with a woman called Yoshida, and Yoshida's like ten years older, and she's at the point where she's going to give up on Tokusatsu and all this her fandom of Tokusatsu. But when she it's meets like, Kanako. No, when she meets Sukanako and she finds someone that she can share her love of it with, they become best friends. Of course they do. And then they bring in their extra heroes in the form of um, Kirishiko at work. Kikushiro. Mm. Kikushiro? I can't remember. Yeah. Um, she's in another show called The Hero Yoshihiko. Um, but they bring her in and she makes friends with her old friend again, the one she snapped at years ago, and they stop being buddies. They bring them back together and they form a little group who go about enjoying their nerdy passions together and helping Aww. each other have a good time. And I think this is me concluding that I, you know, between this and Agoretsuko, I quite like shows about women who work in middle office management having just a good time and enjoying themselves. was a hit many years ago. Mm. But there's an episode where they go to the beach and they want to do a shoot, a photo shoot like the boy band mod co- covers, the oh, yeah. pack calendars. So the girls want to do a fun, sexy shoot at the beach, just like doing crazy stuff. And they start like one, you, 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 um, Yoshida is like a photographer. She wants to be a photographer professionally. Yeah. And so she uses all her smart little tricks to try and make a really cool thing. They get to the, the beach and it's raining, so they figure they can't do anything. And they get so obsessed with their idea, they don't even realise the rain's gone away and it's sunny now. And they're just doing their thing that they set up. Like they... Um, Yoshida gets her to dig a ma- gets Kanako to dig a massive hole so they can hide in the hole, and they get the other girl to. She's got like a buoy, so a beach, and they want us to slam the buoy down on the floor, and they're going to throw sand up from out of the hole to make it look like an action-packed, like sand flying through the air, and she's slamming it down because they're trying to get a Tokusatsu-style photo for them, and then they like you know do some stuff to get a nice um, boy band model shoot. For the other girls, and they have a good old time out on the beach for an episode. They managed to do a seven-part TV show, and they managed to squeeze in a friggin' beach episode into it. It's great. Um, there's all sorts of fun stuff in it. Loads of really nice touching stuff. Like Kanako makes friends with this little kid that, like, she was trying to get one in the first episode. She's trying to get the little trinket. She's trying to get it from a machine, and she's trying to make sure no one can see her doing it. She doesn't want anyone to know. And the little kid spots her, and he wanted the little red one, and it's the last one left in there. And she's like, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you this. And he's like, well, I can't just take this off you. You shouldn't give kids toys and sweets and stuff. It's a bit weird. And so she said, well, I'll tell you what, why don't we go to another machine and you get it with your money. If you get the red one, we'll just swap. We'll just do a swapsies. Yeah. And so they do. And then she starts helping him with his problems because he does. He has to keep going to cram school and he doesn't like it. But he's then his parents don't like that he likes tokusatsu, so she sees a lot of herself in him and all this. And... um. Yeah, they sort of become buddies. She keeps calling him Damien. And he, whenever he has a proverb, you see the words floating in the clouds or in the sand or something, and she can see it, no one else can. Um, little Damien falls in love with Ishida. No, <laughs> Because she likes the same Joshua One character. Of course. Um, every single episode has at least one moment that's like real sort of like feel-good, heartstringy stuff or really, really sad moments. Like when Kanako's like, argues back against her mother she like finally stands up to her mum slaps her across the face after her mum slapped her and broke one of her figures in a restaurant 
And then her mum goes home and in the next episode you find out that Kanako just sat there eating two people's worth of food in the restaurant. She didn't give a shit anymore. Um, but yeah, when she stands up to her mum and tells her that she doesn't want her in her life anymore and she wants her key back and all this sort of stuff. It's like, it's like kind of nice because you see how much of a horse, how sort of manipulative and horrible a mother has been through the whole thing. Yeah. Because um, there's like a sequence where she remembers coming home from school one day and her mum was baking potatoes in the back garden on a bonfire and she was using her um, Terry B magazines, Terry B Kid magazines, which is like a magazine that usually has like stuff about superhero shows and tokusatsu and stuff like that. And she come home and found her mum burning them. Yeah. And it like traumatised her for life and all this. Because like her mum doesn't care about anything she likes. It's not, you know, her mum doesn't like her liking what she wants to like. She has to fit into her ideas. Um, this is a brilliant last episode as well, where she's like, she gets hold, gets given back an old video by her brother, and it's an old video of the last few episodes of a show she used to watch as a kid called Emma Jason, Emergency, like mm. emergency, Emergency. Yeah. It's quite a good pun, um, <laughs> but it's like an eight nineties Tokusatsu show that she watched, which was strangely in widescreen. Um, but she gets a VHS tape and she watches the video and she remembers the last time she watched it when she got the video. When she was a teenager and she hadn't watched Tokusatsu for a few years because she had just given in to her mother at that point, and she's watching the video in the rec room at the school, and then remember, then she recalls back to how the show ended when she was a kid, and the moral of the story at the end of the last episode is that, you know, even if your memories fade and you forget things in the past, the things you love will still be inside you, and it like brings up all these feelings for her, and she gets all emotional, mm. and it's like a really nice little way to say it's okay to like the stuff you liked as a kid yeah like it's perfectly fine like it's not going to stop you doing what you want what you need to do in life or anything you want to do in life it's pretty normal actually like because the amount of people she meets along the way and you realize they've all got something that they're interested in that they still like and it's like just a beautiful show and just seven episodes long it's based on a manga comic and um well worth a watch from 2019. Mm, cool. It's never been released outside Japan, so you have to get some <laughs> pirated subtitles. It's worth a lot. It's worth a watch, guys. Uh, you can't, but, you know. Yeah. It's the sort of thing that would could have been perfect to chuck on Netflix or something. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the shit would. One episode, one episode, one one series, seven episodes, man. Well, you know, Fucking... I bought, I was talking about that that um, Carmen Rider, the manga that I bought, the like big book. And it's yeah. just like literally all the issues for like for like 10, 15 years. Mm. They do one for Super Sentai, which is like... The yeah, they did the Go Ranger ones. The, that's what I mean, the yeah. Go Ranger one. The manga one, the Kamen Rider one's not like 15 years, it's like one year. Is it really? Yeah, they used to it's put them out every week. 800 odd pages. Yeah, it's quite big. It's Shonen Jump stuff, wasn't it? Yeah. The same guy did um, Cyborg 009. Yeah, I'm looking forward that. to reading it. Yeah. Looking forward to reading it. Um, it's very different from the series because in the series they had to change plans because the, um, the lead actor broke his leg doing a stunt because he wanted to do all his bike stunts himself. <laughs> And so he's out of the series for like half of it. Go Ranger, like it, it's kind of like they're fighting a cult, which sounds like <laughs> so's Carmen Rider. There's a lot of cults in the seventies. Yeah, ones. sounds like they're fighting a lot of that shit. Yeah, which is interesting. Go Ranger's great. Uh, yeah, the original show, very very seventies. I might get the manga if I enjoy the Carmen Rider stuff. That's <laughs> also the Go Ranger was also created by Shotaro Shinomori. He did Carmen Rider. Yes. Yeah, he created that. I know, Anne. I'm a I'm an aficionado. I own the 50 year anniversary manga. I'm surprised it didn't arrive at the same time as the Plunger. They recently released um, Carmen Rider Cougar manga, 
yeah. comic, but the translation is like shockingly really? bad. Like I, every single panel I've read has been like a grammatical mess of a nightmare. It looks like they because it was released in Argentina years yeah. ago, and it looks like they've literally taken the Argentinian script and Google translated it oh. into English. So it's broken all the sentences up. You remember that thing I reviewed that bio meat manga that I reviewed. I read all of bio meat. Yeah, the one where it was like they made insects that could basically replace meat. So they were like, oh yeah, yeah. Um, the one that I read was fan translated. There was like an official translation that I tried reading, and that yeah. was bad. The official one was just bad. There's a fan translation for cougar as well. Yeah, and it's fine. It's yeah. So- I think the fans just take more time to add in the nuance of language. Yeah. Whereas, like, the official ones are always just well, like. The word is apparently they were making a script for it, but then the publishers decided to go in another direction yeah. to get it done cheaper, I guess. Yeah. And you ended up with this horrible mess. Um, apparently, the Go Ranger and Carmen Rider one are both perfectly fine, though. Oh, okay. Apparently. But... Cool. Yeah, because it was originally translated before for manga for, like, collection releases. Yeah. I think Viz released it in the mm. 80s or something. But um, no, they're they're fine. But it's very different to the show. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm gonna ch- I'm gonna try and get through it all as much as I can. Um, all right, Keshi Hongo's adventures. That's Carmen Rider one. Ichigo. Ichigo. Mm. We don't you don't watch Futo Pi, have you? No, no. That's that was based on the manga. It's a sequel series to Carmen Rider Double. Oh, it's just that. had an anime series this like well last year on Crunchyroll. But um, we don't support Crunchyroll. No, because they're bad. Yeah, they're bad. And there are fan subs for Futo PI. So, you know, just saying. Just saying. Anyway. um, Fucking done. Yeah, I'm done. your bullshit. I was trying to figure out why my figure kept falling over. It's because I didn't bring his heels out. What an amateur mistake. What a fucking... What an absolute cunt. What an amateur... Cunt. Amateur mistake. All right. Okay. That's the end of episode 203. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. As always, you can find Anne at LV54SpaceMonkey on Twitter and Wild Will's Hat on Twitter. You can find him as Mellow Gaming on YouTube and also uh, Ant's Bot Collection on YouTube. Fucking shit. And you had Reacting Sentai Yopper Ranger at one point, but that's no longer being done, is it? No, because... Somebody ratted him out to the police. The feds. Feds. Um, how's Wild Will's Hat doing? I mean... How many people you got following I'm you? A now? pillar of the community. I mean, I have been referenced. He has been referenced in official ta- Transformers stuff. Well, they put a character into one of the comics because, like, apparently he just wanted to. He saw my Twitter and thought, "Oh, I'm going to put that character in there." There you go. So, there you yeah. go. Dreams can come true, ladies and gents. Look at me, um, babe. I tell you. <laughs> I've made it. Fucking now man. I got to have her. <laughs> now I got to be strong. Dreams can come true. No way, they would ever do. Gabrielle was hot as shit. <laughs> uh, you can find me at Crit Apocalypse everywhere. The also on on Xbox and PSN and Switch. I'm one of those things. And YouTube. And Twitter. For as long as Twitter lasts because it's fucking tanking. Twitter is getting worse. Yeah, every week. Every fucking, week it gets worse. You have to refresh like three times before it will let you actually refresh on the app right now. <laughs> fucking... Do you see all the and I've wings? noticed today quote tweets aren't appearing. Yeah, like when someone don't. quote tweets, the, the tweet isn't appearing unless you click on it. Yeah, I know. To bring it up. Fucking... Have you noticed that when you click on a tweet, if there are replies, you won't immediately see them? Just fucking mess. Well, Elon Musk is a genius, apparently. Tech genius. Tech Real, he's genius. an engineer. He knows what he's doing, people, and we've just got to trust the madness. Do you think any of this is going to lead him to go, hey, maybe you should um, test stuff before we push it out? No. 
No. Have you seen that he's making the API? People have to pay £100 a month to use the API. Yeah, but then he said that maybe we'll let verified users have access to the API, right? For $8 a month. Business genius. He gets out-negotiated by people just go, yeah, people just buy Twitter blue instead. Have you seen that, like, advertising Twitters that want to keep their golden check mark have to pay £1,000 a month? Mm. No one's going to fucking do it. No. He doesn't realise what he's fucking up. No. He's like, I spent £44 billion on a website that was worth... A fraction of that. And it's only because he offered 44 billion. He just offered beyond the work because he didn't know what he was doing. He's a fucking moron. Oh, God. I fucking hate him. Such a twat. He's locked his Twitter now as well, so he couldn't remember. No, because they've they've only just discovered that if you have a locked Twitter account, people are more likely to see your replies. And they think it's like, oh, this is a bug in the system. But it's not. It's because when the replies are locked, the people who are replying to your comments are people who follow you more often than uh, not, right. which boosts it up the algorithm stuff for the algorithm thing. Yeah. Whereas when it's full of slurry of shit, yeah. which a lot of people get in their replies, it's only it's only really affects big Twitter accounts. Yeah. If it's full of a slurry of shit, that tweet's less likely to get pushed out into the algorithm because it will attract more hate. Yeah. But if it's locked, you're more likely to only have replies from people who are friends with you I who see. aren't going to be putting slurries of shit in your direction. And wow. that's why they're only just figuring this out. They don't understand that's they're why. They think it's a bug. But maybe, what if they hadn't fired the person who knew, knows how the algorithm works? <laughs> and everyone that worked with them. Fucking idiots. Yeah, they're all fucking morons. Jesus. All right, I've got to go play with baths, so... Play Have a week, swing. everyone. We'll be back in two to speak about more Last of Us. No. Potentially like no. a dragon-ish in. Probably not. Yeah, I might get that. Yeah, it's going to be out the day after we record, most likely. Yeah, get paid um, this week anyway, so... Are you going to pre-order it? No, pre-order it. fucking pre-orders games? This guy does. You go to the shop and you buy it. No, I fucking hate shops. There's people there. Ugh. Ugh. And people. Fucking disgusting. All right. Met a new lady. Quite like this one. <laughs> <laughs> when Matt wants Anne to stop the podcast, he just talks about. No, I just shocking I've been sitting here waiting to click on the stop shocking button for fucking life. twenty minutes now. Did I tell you, I went to I went on a date to to Clapham. I had a really good time. She was a really nice girl. Um, but I talked about talked about my uh, the the fact that I'm friends with T, and she was like, "Yeah, I can't be in a relationship with someone who's still friends with her ex." And that way, and I was like, "Weirdos." Anyway, so why can't I be friends with my ex? People are weird, man. I like this new one, though. Okay, great. Awesome. Can I stop the freaking podcast now? <laughs> yeah. <coughs> Boris Johnson fucks kids. Cool. cool. Awesome. Uh, Rishi, Rishi Sunak is fucking useless. Oh, Liz Truss is going to come back. Liz Truss is fucking useless. <laughs> They're all so fucking useless. Yeah. How has this happened? Because um, in order to get Brexit to happen, you have to be a dishonest, put a backstabbing type of person who has no morals. So because Brexit happened, the only people who can try to deliver Brexit are, you know, backstabbing deliver. people with no morals. Deliver. Yeah. It's going to be 30 years from now and they'll still be like, don't worry, guys, the benefits are coming. Yeah. <laughs> you can't afford shoes. That's why you have the incompetent idiots. Yeah. That's how it happens. Anyway, bye. You know you gotta have them. You know you gotta be strong. Bye. 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 I'm getting the fuck out of there. Bye. Your negative vibes are bringing me down.
You still recording? Bye. Bye.